this is Jocko podcast number 68 with Echo Charles and me Jocko Willink good evening Echo good evening so we've been doing some Facebook lives lately mm-hmm. Facebook live and they've been pretty cool interacting getting a lot of questions but here's the deal on the Facebook live I think the first one I did I got 3,000 comments or questions in one hour and it's something like 40 or 50 questions a minute which is one a second which means you can't answer all of them and I started looking at some of the questions and there were some really good questions on there and there's also a lot of common questions that pop up that maybe I don't address or haven't addressed and I said you know what if a lot of people are asking the same question there must be a need to know or people are interested in what the answer is Mm. so I kind of threw together some of those questions from Facebook live primarily there's a couple other ones that I got from Twitter and or Facebook message is that what it's called Facebook message messenger yeah like when somebody direct messages right and and you know with that if there's people that are sending me messages and 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 stuff through social media and and even through email I, I can't answer all of them right now I, I just can't and I apologize and I appreciate what you're sending me but I can't always get to them all there's a lot of them coming in it's it's not it is, I don't have enough time to answer them all I look at them and you know I'll try and throw back an answer real quick sometimes but um, a lot of times I just don't have time to answer them all sometimes yeah I, I read them all I do read them all but you know when I'm looking at a limited amount of time and I have a ton of Facebook questions coming in um, it can be hard hey if you do want an answer let me give you a, a, a something something that is helpful if you want an answer ask like a really simple question yes or no or should I do this or that you know should I go to college or join the military based on the situation I'm in right now that I don't have any money and I'd have to borrow money to go to college what do you think I should do there's a couple options there for me to answer you know what I mean it's gonna be pretty straightforward Mm -hmm. on that one I'm gonna say join the military you want to join the military anyways go get after it boom Mm -hmm. done so but if you give these long questions that then you're looking for an open-ended kind of answer it's yeah. hard for me to get around to them. Now, those are also questions that I normally might pull into the podcast because they do require more of a response. So if that's what you're looking for, yes, that's a good way to send it on Facebook or on Twitter. Hey, if you need a, if it's an open-ended answer that I'm going to have to think about or or have to discuss with you, mm-hmm. that's cool. But if you just need an answer about something, just answer, answer ask a, a direct question I'll get around to it but during the Facebook live there was a ton of questions and it was really cool uh, I'd never done Facebook live before and got a lot of good questions so with that let's go to this uh, some Q&A from the Facebook people <sighs> yeah and Twitter I'm imagining and Twitter sure. yeah these primarily came from Facebook live oh dang okay. I, I, I went through Every comment Dang. yeah so it took some time yeah but especially since my computer started lagging <laughs> which and I know I talk about being mad at computers or at printers and copy machines but when my computer's lagging that also 
can get me angry. Yeah, the computer's pushing it on, yeah. pushing its luck. Yeah. I just want the thing to work quickly. Yeah, that's the whole thing, though. That's the whole thing with computers. It's like, of course you want it to work more quickly. The, like, if you get a cheap computer, chances I don't are have the, a cheap the computer. main thing. Oh, yeah, so you have, you have expectations. That, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. I want the thing to work quickly. Yeah. I almost got a T1 line. You know what that is, internet-wise? I thought that that was like old school. No, it's the T one line is is when you're you're getting it, not, and and they guarantee ninety nine point nine percent, you know, up and going and never break, never have any issues. Yeah. I almost got a T one line for my a house. T one line. I think I didn't do it. Well, hey, that's up to you, obviously. And with that, I think uh, let's go to the question. The first let's question. Go to questions. Okay, Jocko. First do you, question. Do you work out every day? Okay, yeah. This is a question that a bunch of people were asking me. And I thought it was pretty evident that I do work out every day, which I do. Mm-hmm. And then I also thought that there was a little misleading statement in the Success Magazine article. Yeah. And again, I don't know what I said on some of these questions or how I answered it at the time or what I explained or how well I explained it, but there was a misleading statement that that on this particular day, I had already lifted in the morning mm-hmm. at 0430 and now I was lifting again at nine yeah. or w- whatever time it was. And, and then I was gonna lift again. It was like made it seem like I was lifting just over and over again throughout the day, yeah. which generally I don't do. Yeah. Generally, when I wake up in the morning, I lift. And by lift, I mean workout. By workout, that might mean lift. It might mean do calisthenics. It might mean sometimes it just means stretching, right? But rarely do I do only stretch. But like yesterday, I was feeling a little under the weather for two days. Wasn't full on sick. My some of my family members got sick. They were really sick. And when it hit me, it didn't hit me as hard because I, you know fought against the, against mm-hmm. the illness sure. so I was a little bit sick but one day I just went, I was like okay I'm just gonna go in and stretch the next day I, I it was like leg day you know I was gonna go do squats and I did squats but if anybody was to come and witness that workout I would have to be ashamed of myself because all I did was basically go in there go through the motion put a little weight on the bar move but yes I do I work out every so, so even when I'm sick I'm gonna work out right yeah. gonna work out and I'm gonna do something because I think it's healthy to do something. Now, another question that people say is like, do you lift and do jujitsu in the same day? Yes, absolutely. All the time, almost daily. A- another branch question of that one is, do you lift before jujitsu or after jujitsu? I like to lift before jujitsu. I want to go into jujitsu a little bit tired. As a matter of fact, some of the young guns at the gym, mm-hmm. they'll... They'll say, oh, you know, like, well, I'll go in to roll with them at night. Mm-hmm. And the young guns will say, oh, I already worked out. Already worked you know, out. I already worked out today. I'm not all fresh. Mm-hmm. And I always say, well, you think I'm fresh? What do you think I've been doing all day? Son. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I like to work out before I do jujitsu. And I like to surf if there's good waves or even marginal waves, get a little surf session in. And if I can get, I don't like to use the word cardio, but I'll use it. It's nice to go for a little run, a little jog. So that's sort of like my grand slam of a day. Oh, the three? The, no, four. Four, yeah. Four. Oh, sure, sure. If I, 
work out, you know, lift, car, uh, calisthenics or whatever, then do some kind of a, again, I'll use the word cardio, go for a run, go for a jog, go for a swim, surf, that's awesome. And then you throw the jujitsu on top of it. That's a grand slam for me. Mm-hmm. I, I love those days. And those are the days you go to sleep at night. You know, those are the days you you you, yeah. you go to bed and you feel tired. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things in in the book that's coming out. The field manual, Discipline Eagles Freedom Field Manual. I talk about sleep. And yeah. one of the things I talk about is you know people are saying how how do you fall asleep at night? Because a lot of people, you know, we all, everyone has trouble getting up in the morning, but then mm. when you start saying, okay, well, I'm going to go to bed earlier, people have trouble falling asleep too. Oh, yeah. yeah, There's a lot of people, even me. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to fall asleep earlier? I got a couple steps in the field manual. One of the steps in the field manual is be more tired. Yeah. <laughs> How do you be more tired? You yeah. work out harder during the day. You drain yourself physically and mentally during the day. That way, when you go, go to bed at night, you will fall asleep. Yeah. And I got the whole thing laid out in there, but that's one of them. One other note. So that's it. You know, do I work out every day? Yes. Do something every day. Do something. Yeah. Do something. Even if you, even if all you have is ten minutes, do a hundred burpees. You know, just do a hundred burpees. Just at a minimum, make that happen. But also, sick. If you're sick, do what you can. Get a little sweat going. If you're injured, do what you can. If you're sick, caveat. That doesn't mean go train jujitsu, because if you're sick, yeah. you make everybody else sick. Yeah, at jujitsu, and that, that's not cool. So if you're that kind of sick, don't do it. Yeah. But other than that, yes, I work out every day. I try and train every day. I would stay active. Yeah. Bottom line, it's going to be hard though to try to mask your routine onto someone else. You know, like you, you can't just go into. Let's say I'm a guy. I work out one at once a day and it's like just a let's say it's a strenuous workout not super strenuous not mm-hmm. like hard i can't just be like yeah. hey jocko works out four times a day on his good day so let me yeah. start doing that yeah. like you can not only get hurt but it it won't work for yeah. you yeah and that's another misconception is that every single day that i go that i work out I'm going level 29 self-destruction. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. You can't do that. It doesn't, you, it's, it's, you can't do it. You just can't do it. I mean, it's not like you can't do it because it'll hurt you. You just can't do it. Right. You know, you do squats heavy one day or you go through three or four days of going really hard. The fifth, sixth day, one of those days you're going to be like, okay, I need to back off today, yeah. whatever the day it is. So I'll I'll you do some kind of workout. I'll still go. I'll still get it on, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna go level twenty nine. Right. You know, self destruction. When I was going to boot camp, there was uh they would say there was a room attached to the main hall, the main barracks where everyone was. This open bay barracks, and if you got in trouble for something, they'd send you to this side room and they'd say. Go in there and self-destruct, which meant you did, or you did, and they had a list of exercises, and it was you know jumping jacks, push-ups, you know sit up, just a bunch of random calisthenics. What when they'd send you in, they would give you no, that? It was already. It was in, already I think, in it, was, there. I think okay. it was posted. Yeah, yeah. And then you went in there and you did one of every exercise, then two of every exercise, then three, and then four, and then five, and then six. And one of my buddies who ended up being a SEAL, who's a great dude, who I went to boot camp with, he's like, he's the, he is the only guy I went to Navy boot camp with, and we both ended up in the SEAL teams. But the the chief that was running it was like, 
you know, whatever his semen apprentice. He goes, get in there and self-destruct. And this guy was a was a wrestler, a college wrestler, legit college wrestler, yeah. great dude. And he went in there, and you know, normally people are done by whatever that you know five or six repetitions or maybe eight repetitions he was in there for like an hour <laughs> and he came out just dripping with sweat yeah. it was i knew i knew he was in there uh getting after it for sure <laughs> yeah the wrestler version of yeah, self the rest is different. yeah it's different than some you know guy from wherever that's yeah. you know a non-wrestler a non-wrestler <laughs> yes uh, so put, true. put quite simply yes dang so they just kind of leave it to you yeah. To self-destruct. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, and that's right. He was the, that's what it was. He was the master at arms in my boot camp, which I don't even remember. Who, the wrestler guy? The wrestler oh. guy. He was, he was the master at arms. We went, we were both from New England too. And so we had had driven the, the, the flown down there to Florida on the same plane. And of course we were both kind of, you know, what are you going in the Navy for? I want to be a SEAL. What are you going for? I want to be a SEAL too. So we kind of had a little bit of, okay, well at least this guy's kind of, getting after it yeah. in some way yeah. and honestly he was a college wrestler I was probably like a little punk to him because he's thinking what is this I was just a high school kid go non-wrestler non-wrestler going yeah. uh I want to be a Navy SEAL <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah so anyways he was the master at arms that's what he's like master at arms get in that room and self-destruct so that was a good time so no I do not self-destruct on a daily basis yeah. but I do get it on every day and definitely push myself on a regular basis yeah and that's obviously gonna depend on what you like what is the results because you're not at a point where you're like hey i need to really get in shape i need to lose yes i am 25 pounds no, or no, something. I'm, not, I'm not saying that you know what is interesting though is the days where i'm getting the 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 grand slam going when i get to jujitsu i feel good yeah, the I train way better when I'm in the zone when I've been working out when I've had a good workout I've surfed I show up to jiu-jitsu. I feel great. I don't feel I'll feel tired, but I feel better, right? Yeah, it's kind of like your second round of rolling or if something. for whatever reason I don't get a workout in the morning or I only get a really short workout in the morning And then I go train jiu-jitsu. I, f- I never feel yeah. Optimal yeah, and as a matter of fact, I have a personal superstition slash curse in my own head that if I don't work out in the morning mm. I am gonna get injured no sh- like, So so that forces me to work out even when I don't want to yeah, I say yeah. well I'm gonna train tonight. I don't want to get injured because right. there's been I think two injuries that I've gotten from jiu-jitsu both of them happened when I didn't work out in the morning, oh, I'm not yeah, kidding. Yeah. One of yeah. them, yeah, I didn't work out in the morning, and I showed up and tra- and went to train, and one of them hurt my ankle really bad, like uh, a high ankle sprain, yeah. and that was bad. But I didn't work out in the morning. That and must I, have been it. And I think the yeah, well, apparently must've had to. And I think the other one was, I think the other one was a knee injury. No, it wasn't a knee injury. All right. I think it was a shoulder injury anyways whatever it was it also that day didn't work out in the morning for some yep, pathetic reason you know yeah didn't work out so for me work out it's mental prep it's physical prep get you ready for the evening the jujits I think that's uh, I think that's called availability bias when you kind of you draw that conclusion you know in your specific case it's right. like, oh it stands out in your mind on this emotional level, so it's like you know you accept it. It really happened though, so never mind know, your but cognitive no, biases. No, 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 no. I'm telling you what no, happened. I understand what happened, but you have to consider all the times 
in your whole jiu-jitsu career that you didn't work That's out. what I'm saying. That was the only two. It's 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 a, such a small number. Mm-hmm. It's such a small number. I bet you it is I bet you there's 10 times in the past 10 years that I didn't work out in the morning and I and I trained jiu-jitsu that night. Yeah, 2 out of 10. That's bad odds. Yeah. You can't you can't consider you can't yeah, conclude that. And that's probably pretty generous it might be like five because sometimes I'm on the road and then I didn't work out but I didn't train jiu-jitsu but for me to be here in my hometown with access to my garage gym and the Mm jiu-jitsu for me to just say oh I'm just not gonna work out today I don't say that right it's not very common no yeah I would say if it was a muscle strain or tear or something like this I would say that would maybe make it a little different because mm. you're stiffer, you know? Yeah. But then again, ankle too. If you're super like warm, yeah. you can stretch your ankles and shoulders a lot. So I don't know. Hey, maybe you might be right. I could be have it completely wrong. Certainly sounds like I'm right. But statistically <laughs> I think I win statistically no, too. No, statistically let's say it's inconclusive. Okay. So maybe. 20% is not conclusive to you? Okay. No. Not, well, you know what I'll do? I'll keep working out. Given every the quantity, day. like you'd have to do it over time, and then if there's like a discernible twenty percent, then you could start to conclude. Okay, it's I'm twenty percent. I'm talking about that's twenty percent more likely. Okay, well that's you know? fair. That's we can make that a statement right now. Oh yeah, more as of right now, likely. statistically, yes. you're twenty percent more likely to get hurt if you don't. Which is pretty big. Work out. Yes. Yeah, those aren't good odds at all. I know. I'm working out every day now. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I used to do that. Um, like, but I would go hard workout, then go jujitsu. But same thing, though. Yeah. I think it's mental. Unless you're doing it like seven days a week for you know a few weeks, then you can start to feel like, hey, or your nutrition is bad, or I don't know something. It's to go. But you feel better. Roll, you feel better. Sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, though. I no. Sometimes I'll feel better if I don't work out. But so I wouldn't say that necessarily in my case. But I think it is more mental. You know, in jujitsu, like I think it's natural to put pressure on yourself to perform. In jujitsu training, mm-hmm. you know, because I think it's part of it. Like when I go in, I'm going to roll against you. I'm going to try to do good against you. I'm not going to every single time. I'm not going to go in and be like, let's just see w- what I learned today. Let me work on my weaknesses and try to learn. And yeah, you're going to try you know? to win. I try to win. And there's that element, I think, most of the time for most people. Right. So mentally, we'll play these games or we'll kind of psych ourselves out like, shit, uh, I'm not at my best. Because I'm kind of tired from working out, so I won't be able to perform. Now the pressure's on. Maybe I'm going to roll with a guy who's my level. Maybe my instructor's going to see me roll with him. I'm not going to do as good as I normally do. He won't, he'll think I'm not as good as I really am. You know, it's like so. This, you're saying there's mental pressure when you're at the jujitsu. That's why I think. That's why people will say, "Oh, I worked out today." Oh. I don't want you to judge my performance it's an necessarily. It's a pre-roll excuse. In a way, yes. Yeah, I don't yeah. give that excuse. Yeah, no, you can't because it would be a lie too. Yeah, because I would actually go oh, and yeah, say, "Hey, I didn't work out today, therefore my game is going to be weak." Right. That's what I would have to say, but I right. wouldn't say that's that. That's not either. the case for you most yeah. of the time. Yeah, and it's pretty rare. I think. I mean, in my experience, like it's pretty rare that I'll work out even a hard workout in the morning and then go roll at night, and then it affects me. Like, I feel, yeah, I feel tired. it's pretty rare. No, now I will get so sore sometimes. You know, if you do squats, yeah, or you do a hardcore like a hardcore kettlebell workout, I'll be sore. Yeah. And it takes a few minutes to get that soreness out of the body once you're on the mats. Right. And sometimes somebody will be doing some movement that's grinding on the quads. 
yeah. and it hurts. It. it makes you ziggy a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So I was jumping. I was parachuting. I had like when? hardly. This is like when I was uh, when I was in the SEAL teams. Oh, okay. Not like this morning. I was parachuting, and I didn't have that many jumps. Right. I wasn't an experienced free fall parachuters parachutist at this time, sure. and the guy we were going jumping with was an extremely experienced, highly experienced, thousands and thousands of parachute jumps. And he took a crew of us, and we were all pretty much new jumpers. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. And so <laughs> so we go up, and there's a ceiling, meaning that the clouds are low, and so we can't get to full altitude. Mm. And so he goes, hey, guys, we can't get up to altitude. We're in the aircraft. This is almost, you know, this is one of those cheesy, like, a movie-type scene where we're in the aircraft, and he's kind of yelling, like, what's going on to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, like I'm playing We're break. all new guys, and this guy was a master chief, and he's like, he's like, hey, guys, we can't get up to altitude. We're going to just do a hop and pop at three grand or something like that, meaning we're just going to go at a very low altitude, just going to jump out and, and pop our parachutes. And... I'm sitting there. I've never even done a hop and pop before. I barely <laughs> knew how to get stable coming out of an aircraft. The way you go through, we used to go through free fall school. It was like a ra- rapid, rapid evolution where if you did correct on one jump, they moved to the next one. And I did my jumps correctly, so I didn't have a lot of jumps. So then we get this guy saying, and I only jumped at 13,000 feet before this. So you have all kinds of time if you if you mess up on your exit, which if you don't know, when you jump out of an aircraft, when you're inexperienced, you can get spun around. As a matter of fact, Andy Stumpf talked about how he started spinning out of control, and it, it happens. Mm. Well, when you're at 13,000 feet, you start spinning. It's okay. You've, you find your body position. You get stable. We called it flat, dumb, and happy, meaning you're falling flat, and everything is stable and good, and then mm. you can pull your parachute, and it's fine. Well, at 3,000 feet, you don't have time to do any of that. So... When you come out, you basically have to come out and immediately adapt to the airstream of the aircraft, and you have to get yourself stable, and then you need to pull really quickly. Mm. And so I'm kind of thinking to myself, I'm kind of thinking to myself, I have no idea how to do this. And I've I've known that I've messed up a bunch of exits, and I knew that I've gotten unstable a bunch of times jumping out. And you know, it just find my time and get stable and it'd be cool. So, anyways, this master chief's like, "Hey guys, we can't get to altitude. We're just going to do a hop and pop at, at three thousand feet," and I, I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's a limited chance that I'm going to make this exit <laughs> properly. And I think I said something along the lines of like, hey, hey, Master Chief, I've never done a hop and pop before. You know, because we're yelling in an aircraft, you can't hear anything. I'm like, hey, I've never done a hop and pop before. Mm. Look, what's anything, any pointers? And it was me and all my buddies. None of us had done it before. And he goes, yeah, it's no big deal. You just go out, just count to three and pull. And I go, roger that. And then he goes, just don't ziggy the exit. That's what he says. <laughs> Just don't ziggy the exit, meaning don't don't have a bad exit. Yeah. Which, like at this up. point, like I said, I was probably batting 50% bad exits because I just didn't know what I was doing. So, of course, what did I do? Okay, fine. I'll just jump. If I ziggy the exit and die, cool. <laughs> so be life. it. But at least I tried to to hit it. So, don't ziggy the exit. So what? What happened? Oh, so I went out. I didn't ziggy the exit, oh, actually. You know, good. that's when the when the pressure's on, you rise, you know? Some you people. rise. You hope to rise. Hope. I, mean, well, I always feel better. You know, it's like surfing without a leash. You know what a leash is, right? <laughs> Do you know? I mean, you're from Hawaii. You know yes, what a leash is? Yes, I know what a leash is. Thank you. Some people wear a leash. Some people don't. When yep. you wear it, when I wear a leash, which I don't like to, 
you feel you can make mistakes and there's no there's no there's no price to be paid because right. all you do is you fall and your board's right there with you when right. you don't have a, a rope on or a leash on when you fall you, your board is gone oh, you yeah. have to swim for it yep. it's a pain yeah it can hit people it's hazardous it's dangerous all these things yeah when I surf with a leash on I surf like crap when I surf with no rope which I prefer I surf better because if you don't make if you ziggy that if you ziggy that drop <laughs> you in your board's yeah. gone you're gonna yeah. hurt somebody it's a nightmare yeah so yeah makes sense and uh, I'll tell you my son the other day there was big waves and I mean not big waves from a Hawaiian standpoint but San Diego big waves and he's just on a long board no rope just dropping in on bombs. I, was, I was I was pretty impressed yeah. and actually especially because I uh, Have a little bit of a tweak shoulder right now So I was wearing a leash because I can't quite grip my board as much as I need to All right, when it goes and down. so I was I'm sitting out there wearing a leash and he's out there and no rope Getting after <laughs> it. I was like, okay, that's cool Impressive Impressive. Yeah, not everyone's like that though not even oh that they rise to the pressure yeah like the or even in your case it seems like you prefer the pressure I prefer you know, the pressure I like, prefer the pressure it feels better like when yeah. you drop in on a wave and there's no there's no penalty for for making a mistake there's just less reward right you want more reward yeah, yeah I dig it. it's like rolling with people yeah. that you're better than that's, you know yeah, you don't want to roll with people that you're just way better than there's no reward to right. it you want to you want to feel a challenge right you know yeah at least I do yeah, and that makes sense, but I guess it's like the the, the standard is different with you, because like let's fit. I was a sponger back in the day. Back For those of you that don't know, back in the day, Echo was riding a boogie board. Boogie board. Big body, time. we call it bodyboarding. Yeah. Anyway, same same thing. Leash, no leash. But if you're shredding big waves, <laughs> right? You want that leash because some people. I was one of those people where if you don't have a leash, it's like, okay, I'm, now I'm thinking about that a little bit now. It's on my mind. Rather than you don't have to think about that, I can just think about, you know, this wave. Shredding. I can just think about shredding. Yeah. So you have that situation. But yours is a perfect analogy with the with jujitsu guys. Like, let's say, you know, you're a black belt and, you know, whatever. You get matched up with a white belt. Boom. Timer goes off. And then let's say it's a white belt that you've rolled with before. So you not only do you, you, you expect to be better than, than him. You actually With know good it, reason. Actually. You know it, yeah. And so there's no payoff. So yeah, your body is straight up has no, essentially no motivation, no, right. no incentive to quote unquote perform. Same thing. Yeah. But I think with these types of things, like sir, it's a, just a different standard though. Some people, in your case, apparently, you feel that in surfing, with the leash. But I think some people that at the same time, it's like wearing a mouthpiece too. You know. Yeah. They'll be like, oh yeah, you know, but that's not smart. What not wearing sparring a without a mouthpiece? <laughs> but no, I mean the, not not jujitsu. But if you start stand up, yeah, it's like boxing or kickboxing yeah. without a without a mouthpiece in. That's not smart. Yeah, but which it, I've done a ton of stupidly. Yeah, but think of that that mindset there where it's like, yeah, I won't wear a mouthpiece. That way, if, when someone hits me, it's it it the cost is greater. You know, so it'll, yeah. it'll add some pressure we're to we're me. Kind about of thing. Dental damage. Safety. Yeah, oh, yeah. Dental damage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as opposed to face. losing your boogie board in the yeah to the shore <laughs> where you got to swim a little bit more. But yeah, man, same deal. Jack. All right. Next question: Boxing or jujitsu for a seven-year-old boy? Jujitsu, all day uh, on that one. 
it's a couple reasons it's fun it's active so you can actually fight the other person and it's real fighting and it's what they're used to and so many often when when parents come in and they bring their kid in for the first time or now it's week two and the parents are oh they just love it so much and I said yeah they're doing what they want to do what they're what they instinctually want to do go look at dogs go look at cats go look at any animal out there in the animal kingdom you know what they do? They grapple with each other. Yep. And they and they actually do submissions, right? They they if you watch like a wolf pack, when that dominating wolf gets the throat of the weaker wolf, the submissive wolf, he doesn't rip his throat out. The guy taps out, game over. Yep. He now he knows that he's the alpha now, right. but it's the same thing. So, you know, you watch little lions or or tigers, they wrestle with each other. Yep. They don't kill each other. They tap out. They get submissive. They say, oh, yeah, you won. So it's very natural and very instinctive to do. So, yeah, jiu-jitsu all day long. Now, it's important to develop your striking. And you can do that, you know, training, boxing one, two times a week. You know, just get in there, learn how to throw it. I mean, it's really really pretty sad when when you meet a grown man that doesn't know how to throw a punch, right? That's just not good. You should know how to throw a punch because if you get in a fight, the fight's going to start standing. And if, if all you know how to do is try and double leg someone, you, you don't always want to do that. In fact, you prefer to knock the person out in many cases. So learn how to throw strikes. But I will say as far as seven-year-olds getting in there and sparring, too young, too young, all kinds of brain development still going on. Head trauma is head trauma. You're not going to get better at it as you get older. You, by well, I shouldn't say that. You're not going to get better at it by taking more punches. Mm. The more you get punched in the head, the worse you're going to be at it. Period. End of story. Nah, I shouldn't say period. End of story. When you turn 18 or when you turn 17 and you're going to start sparring, you're going to get better at it for a little bit because you're going to get used to it. You're going to understand how the reaction. You're going to know how to deal with the little white flash that hits you. You're going to you're going to become comfortable in that uncomfortable scenario. But that uptick of increased improvement is very short mm-hmm. and if, and very quickly you reach the other side of that which is every time you get punched in the head you're taking your your brain resilience backwards mm-hmm. so do boxing learn it throw punches hit pads no make sure you know how to throw a punch and, and you take a kid that's 10 years old that knows how to throw a one, two, three combo, and he gets in a street fight. He knows jujitsu and boxing. He's not even gonna get to the to the jujitsu part because he mm-hmm. throws a one, two, three combo, and he's knocking out just about every other kid, or at least he's putting them down. Yeah. Uh, or, or at least, at least he's shown that that kid is gonna go. Wait, this person knows how to fight, and right. I don't. Because yeah. it is hard to knock people out. I don't care. You know, even a, even a skilled boxer will have a hard time knocking out a random person in the street because it's hard to knock someone out. Mm-hmm. Harder. So, yes, jujitsu all day long for the seven year old, and do a little bit of striking to get them familiar with it. Yeah, jujitsu is way funner too. And of course, that it sounds like a matter of opinion, but just how you said, like grappling and stuff is right. natural. Like even right. if ki- you get two brothers who don't take jujitsu at all, no wrestling, no nothing. You say, hey, go play outside. 
They're going to start, no ball, no nothing. They're going to mess around, and chances are they're going to yeah. start, you know, one guy's going to be pinning the other guy on the ground, pinning his hands or whatever. And that's kind of part of it. So jujitsu, it's like it's a, basically jujitsu is just that. Yep. It's literally just that except for there's actual skills in there so right. they can get good at that thing that they yep. were doing anyway. And, that, and that's one of the reasons that boxing or striking, because I should say boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, whatever, there's a reason why it's a little bit boring if you're not sparring because now you're not sparring. You're right. hitting pads. Yeah, you're hitting. It's just not as fun. Yeah. It, it is cool. Yeah. And it's good. And I'll tell you what. I've been to Thailand and it's awesome seeing the young kids that are training like that all the time. You drive down the streets in Thailand, just like in America, you'd see guys shooting hoops or you see kids shooting hoops. You see kids playing catch the baseball. The kids there are doing Muay Thai. That's yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, and that's it's badass. That's a, that is badass, but that's a traditional thing. You yeah, know, yeah. When, when that's all around you, that's what we do. That's what us kids. Just like soccer, like certain places, you're going to see more people playing soccer. Then you're not yeah. going to see them playing basketball. Well, yeah, of course you know? it's a traditional thing. But I'm saying, even at that young age, they do find it entertaining, and yeah. they and there also are ways to spar. If you can do it correctly, that is like light sparring. It's almost like you're playing tag. I, I yeah. call it playing tag. Yeah, playing tag you, know, yeah. you can kind of play tag with a person. You are improving your skills, but you're not getting head brain trauma. Yeah, and that and that's actually a good point. So I'm playing yeah. tag because yeah. you do the, even if you're not trained in boxing, you'll do that anyway. Yeah, you know, with your brothers like yep. slap boxing, yep. like slap boxing. We used to go um, before I actually took jujitsu when we just watch UFC or the Hoist Crazy videos. We'd um, <laughs> we'd play slap. MMA basically yeah. so it's slap boxing you can kick him in the legs or whatever and even if you get him on the ground your ground upon is just slapping him in the face like we do that and that's fun even if you don't know jujitsu or boxing or anything so that's right I think that you're right about that yeah. in that case yeah. where you, you just have that. to be careful of get kids getting hit kids and adults getting hit repeatedly in the head with legit strikes it's just yeah. not good for you period yeah, and that's kind of a, a slippery slope too. When you're like, oh, oh, seven year old boy, um, I want to get him into boxing, you know. So obviously, yeah. there's a spectrum there. It's a, it's in the, you know, on one side, you're like, okay, just get him learn learn how to throw one two, learn this. Yeah, you, you know what else is important to say too? And you know, I just thought of this is, you you said, did you say there's a spectrum? Yeah, yeah. So there's a spectrum. There's a spectrum of natural ability to take punches too, right? Mm. So some people can get punched their whole lives and they're fine in the head. And you look at some pro boxers that come out of their boxing career after having wars and they're they're cognitively fine. Mm. And there's other guys that go through their careers and they're they're in rough shape when they get done. Mm. They have uh, pugilistic brain syndrome, I forget the actual name of it, but they have, you know, the, the boxers brain damage. And so you don't know who's gonna have that. You don't know if your kid's gonna have that or not. Yeah. So if the only way to find out is to test them by giving it to them, that's yeah. not a good way to find out. It's not worth it. Even if they wanted to be a pro boxer, yeah, it's not a w- good way to find out. Because you're going to find out when they're doing their first amateur bout and they get if they get knocked out or you know they get bad headaches, it's a bad situation. Yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons why I think jiu-jitsu and wrestling is going to get even more popular because as you look at the UFC evolve, the people are now saying you know, all kinds of UFC fighters are saying, hey, I'm not sparring. You know, I'm barely sparring anymore. I don't yeah. spar before my fight or I spar a very limited amount. And so as people are saying that, well, what are you going to do if you're not sparring? Well, you're hitting pads. That's cool. But how are you going to train? You're going to do jiu-jitsu. You're going to do wrestling. You're going to do grappling. That's where you're going to win the fight. So I think that as the UFC gets more and more popular and as more information comes out about 
traumatic brain injuries that come from repetitive hits to the head I think that the popularity of boxing and striking training is going to go down and that will force or cause the popularity of wrestling and jiu-jitsu to go up yeah potentially yeah it's true but these um oh what I was what I said about the spectrum I mean everything's really a spectrum but the approach to it Right, so let's talk about boxing. Seven-year-old boy boxing. There's, there's a spectrum. One side of the spectrum is, yeah, let's have them learn the one-two, have them learn a jab, right. hook, cross, all this. And that's cool. Hit some mitts. We'll do a workout, do some jump rope, and, and do this. On the other side, the extreme side, this kid, discipline, seven days a week, he's going to be the next you know, Roy Jones Jr. or something like that. Yeah. And we're going to start him right now kind yeah. of thing. So in that case, most of the time I would predict is that – on the extreme case, the boy's not going to take to it as naturally, you know, unless it is part of the tradition or something like that. But jujitsu, like I said, it's like just, just so, unless you're, you're being that guy, that parent, yeah. you know, the one who's like, you're going no matter what. Yeah. You know? um, but that I, I think so. I think you're right. I think naturally they're going to take to something like jujitsu. It's yeah. just way more fun. And even just the traditional at- atmosphere of jujitsu is more fun. You just, especially in the kids, bro. Those kids yeah, have so much fun, fun in there. They don't barely know that they're doing something instructional. Yeah. In a lot of cases, they're just, hey, hold this person here with your knees on each side. Well, that's the yeah. mount. Yeah. And the person, the kid on the bottom, is learning the mount escape. They don't even know it, but they're learning it. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Good yeah, stuff. My daughter doesn't even want to leave the gym now. That's so legit. You can just run around. Yeah. And, and think about hey, it too. You're in a padded yeah, room. Here's a padded room. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Go. Yeah, man, it's the best. Next question. Jocko, how do you read books to prepare for podcasts? How do you read a book to extract maximum benefit? Any advice on keeping yourself focused and being patient while reading books? So this was a a series of reoccurring questions that were about kind of how I read. And I grabbed three of them that were in there. So how do I prepare for the podcast? It's actually a pretty in-depth situation (laughs) so first thing I do is I read the book as I'm reading the book I highlight anything that I find to be interesting or informative to me or reinforce an idea that I know or bring a new idea to bear so as I'm going through I'm just highlighting everything and when I get done with it now just to just to say when we're talking max benefit when I was in college and I would do that I would once I got done with highlighting the areas that I found informative or important, then I would make flashcards of the highlighted areas. Mm-hmm. So I was like double locking yeah, the information. Because right, right. when you, as soon as I make a flashcard, I've already got it 50% in my memory. Yeah. Well, I read it, I highlighted it. It yeah. was like 25%. Mm-hmm. R- make a flashcard, that's another 45 or 50%. And so, boom, now I got to do is study the flashcard for that last 25% to lock in the knowledge. Yeah. Where when I go in to take the test, I know 100%. I know I'm going to know every answer on the, on, the, on the question. When you recall like test. a thing, you actually recall what the flashcard yeah. looked like. Yes. You know exactly. how you wrote the A on yes. that one, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I would do. This kind of a sidetrack when I was in college highlight and then make flashcards of what I highlighted. Now, for the podcast, what I do is once I, once I read it and highlight it, now I go back through and I look at the highlights, and now I start being selective of what is going to be in the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I actually circle the actual words I'm going to read with a red pen that I'm holding right here. And, and that's what I do. I circle, and then I have little notes that say, Next, like when I circle a section, and then I'll either have an arrow that goes to another point, or I'll have a little note that says, go to page... 
49. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be a tab, one of those little yellow sticky tabs on page 49. Boom, there it is. I can flip right there real quick. So mm-hmm. we don't have to edit. We don't have to, there's a flow. I can keep rolling. And then on top of those, when I get to, when I read something and I want to say something about it, I have little sticky notes that I put in there, either sticky notes, I have the sticky tape stuff, which is pretty legit. <laughs> and I just roll, I roll that out, I stick it on there and I say, hey, mention, you know, experience I had here or what happened when I was doing this. And so I kind of make those notes and that way I can get it done. And while I'm doing that is when I have to figure out the chronology that I'm going to read it because I don't always read the notes from the book on the podcast in the same order that they are in the book mm-hmm. because sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Sometimes there's some. So at the same time I'm doing that, I'm going back and figuring out what direction I'm actually going to read them. All right, right. So sometimes my conclusion of the book is different than the author's conclusion gotcha. of the book. Yeah. So I got to go back and say, I got to go back pages or forward or whatever. So right. that's what I'm figuring out there as well. So that's kind of what the podcast prep looks like. Now, how to stay focused and patient while reading books. This is really difficult. I don't have a long attention span. When I have a long attention span, it's only because I absolutely force myself to do it. Hmm. So what I would prefer to do is to read in small chunks. I want to do work for like an hour at a time. Right when I'm writing, I want to work for about an hour. When I'm reading, I want to read for about an hour. After that, I want to get up and break something, or throw something, or lift something, or run somewhere. You know what I mean? It's I have an hour of patience with me. Of course, unfortunately, that's not enough time. You know, especially when you're doing a podcast a week and you got to read a whole book. Well, guess what? You got to you got to read for longer. You got to read for two, three hours at a pop. Uh, I'll try and make it that I do an hour early in the morning, sometimes when I'm behind the curve, I will read first thing in the morning before I work out because I just wanna get an hour done, then I get to go and release, right? Then I get done with the workout, take a shower, now I'm gonna read for another 45 minutes. Okay, good, now I'll do something else. Little pre-lunch reading. So, and then before I go to bed, I'm doing another hour. So there, I just got four or five hours in a day without having to sit down and do something for four or five straight hours, which bothers the hell out of me. The other thing you can do, and I do this, is I'll read multiple books at the same time, mm-hmm. which is which is an interesting task, a tactic. I don't know if everybody should do that or could do that or would want to do that, but sometimes one book gets boring. But I know I got to read, so I just have two books, three books, all sitting there, and I'm reading them all at the same time, and that makes them a little bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I would say about trying to be focused on and patient when you're reading books is to try to really understand what it is that is happening in the book, not just from a plot perspective, but from a human perspective. What is that person going through? What is that like for that person? What are they thinking? And I get to a point where I'm so engaged I feel like I'm becoming the author. I feel like I'm in the book sometimes when I'm reading it. Yeah. So that is another good way to keep it engaging. Because if you're seeing it from the outside and you're not really in it, well then it's not. It's just not as engaging, simply put. Yeah. If you get into it and you start thinking about that person, 
you go back you know do a little wikipedia search on the author and see who they are that gives you like a little insight yeah yeah and that helps me now i connect with them i know that they're from new jersey i know that they went to this college i know that they played soccer so now when i'm reading about them i'm going oh yeah that must oh you know so i try and get a little background on that person mm-hmm. gives me a little bit more engagement dang that's dang. that that's my it, reading habits it's kind of advanced that it, and it makes more sense i think that like how you say you want to put yourself in the guy's head, you know, yeah. actively. I'm going to consciously put myself in the, in the guy's head. Sometimes people are so good at writing where you, that just happens naturally. Mm-hmm. But when you do when you do that, it's like you can kind of get you get the story, of course. But most of the time you when you do the, well, all the time, it's lessons learned. Like, what do you learn? It's mm-hmm. almost like when you're in your head is in it like that. All the lessons are just flying into your brain, you know, Yeah. because it's almost like you're doing like you're you're going through that war or that particular ambush or something like that. And then, you know, they talk about the mistakes and all that, but you feel the mistake. Yeah. And also I have some experience with what they're talking about. Oh yeah. So it's like, and and so, and and I'm not saying, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I don't have even close to the experience of the books that I'm reading on this podcast. These guys that were in, the battle of Iwo Jima and the battle of the bulge. No, nothing I did compared to anything that they do. But do I know what it's like to be waiting to go into a bad situation? Do I know what it's like to be shot at? Do I know what it's like to, you know, have guys getting wounded? Yeah, I know what that's like. So that's a little connection too. But I think, you know, everybody that's been in stressful situations of any kind, you can say, Oh, what, what must that feel like? Hey, I know what it's like when I was waiting to, you know, going for a job interview and I was completely stressed out and that's what this guy must be feeling right here, only even worse. So then you make that little mental connection, little mental leap and you can, like you said, you can then learn more from it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is important. Yeah, so if I'm going into this particular situation, you know, in a book, I'm reading it and I'm not as engaged as maybe I could be, this guy goes through XYZ experience. I'm looking at it from my opinion, like, well, I could handle that, you know, kind of thing. But this guy's the type of guy who that's maybe part of his weakness or something like that and vice versa where, you know, like, I don't know, something about claustrophobia. I might be like, dang, but that claustrophobia, part of it, part of the story isn't necessarily a huge part of the lesson that you're trying to get from it. You right. know, so you might miss, there might be some disconnects there yeah. if you don't. Because they have a certain intention, yeah. and you have a certain intention. So if yours is the lesson lessons learned, you might miss some of those lessons. Just the feeling for of sure. missing. For you know? sure, I'm not going to get everything out of a book. That's why when you that's why when you get a really good book, you read it multiple times, and you right. get more out of it every single time that you read it. No doubt about that one. Yeah, it's true. Next question. Is it okay if extreme ownership sometimes feels inauthentic? Example, taking ownership of something not really your responsibility. When does extreme ownership become excessive self-blaming? Okay, so again, this was two questions. There was multiple questions like this on the interwebs. If extreme ownership feels inauthentic or if you're taking ownership of something that's not really your responsibility so yes there there is a chance that you're going too far however the chances are is that there really is something that you can do about it and too often people 
say, well, you know, it's just, it's just something I couldn't control. For example, right, there's things that you have zero control over, right? And you could easily just say, hey, that we, I couldn't control that, and therefore I can't take ownership of it. For, for, like, for instance, if we were planning an operation and the weather went bad, and so now our vehicles got stuck, so we, we could say, hey, you know, weather got bad. There's nothing I could do about it. And that's, people say, well, yeah, you can't control the weather. No human being can control the weather. Well, guess what? You could make that excuse and be okay with it. Guess what else you could do? Hey, I didn't have a good contingency plan for bad weather, for rain. We should have brought tow ropes with us. We should have brought a winch with us so we could get out. That's what I should have done. I should have done. So yes, even though it's really easy and it's like a 90% to just say, hey, it was bad weather, nothing I could do about it, mm-hmm. you could do something about it. And and that's when when you start making those excuses, they, they're going to hurt you. Same thing in the business world, right? Oh, well, you know, the market, we can't, I can't control the market, right? The market went down. We weren't expecting it to go down. And now, you know, there's nothing we could do about it. It wasn't my fault. Oh, really? Because what you could have done was diversify your income streams, right? You could have diversified your income streams so you weren't relying 100% on this one segment of the market and now you're suffering. But all you do is say, well, you know, not my fault. You know, we can't control the market. The market went down. Well, actually, you can control your position. You control how you were set up strategically. You didn't do that. So when you do those things, it's it's generally there is something you could have done about it. There's generally something you could have done about it. And so if it feels inauthentic, sure, question yourself, but then say, okay, what could I have done about this? And I would say this, even when you're with your troops and you say, look, I didn't have full control of the market. We, I should have done this a little bit better. We should have planned to diversify our income streams better. I didn't do that. Here's where we're at. Here's where we're going to move forward. The guys aren't going to say, like, hang you out to dry right. because you took ownership of that thing. They're going to realize, look, Ejok was taking ownership of that. That's cool. We did get shafted by the market. And oh well lesson learned we're going to move forward but when you just come in and say hey market went down not my fault you lose respect to your guys so don't do that now all that being said is there situations where or are there situations where extreme ownership actually does become excessive self-blaming and the answer is yes because there are certain situations where there actually is nothing that you could do so for example and this is a great example speaking of lessons learned from the book company commander that we just went over on the podcast captain mcdonald they got assaulted by like basically the entire german army and they were left to try and hold the line with pistols and rifles against tiger tanks, right? And 88 millimeter guns and thousands and thousands of troops attacking them. He could not have stopped them. You cannot stop a division of soldiers with a company of soldiers. You can't do it. Especially when they have artillery and they have tanks and you don't have any tank support. it's, It's... it's an unwinnable situation. So for him to continually blame himself and say, I should have planned better, could he, could he say that? Sure. 
he did what he did with the information that he knew at the time. If he would have known it was a division attack, they would have set up differently. He thought he was just setting up a typical defensive perimeter, mm. right? So can you get to a point where you're blaming yourself excessively? Yes, you can. And you, you do need to be somewhat cognizant of that. I'm going to tell you those cases are extremely rare. Mm. extremely rare most of the time you have a lot more control over your own destiny than you think you do and the worst thing you can do is continually say you know what this is one of those rare instances where I had no control it's probably not Mm. it's probably an instance where you did have control Mm. so keep it in the back of your mind but keep in the front of your mind ownership yeah seems like excessive self-blaming that sounds like you know maybe someone who's fully blaming themselves and then like instead of taking action to you know implement corrective measures yeah. something like this they're like i suck and maybe they go into right, a depression right, right, right. or something right. like oh, this or yeah the, where they're gun shy now yeah what you're getting yeah absolutely they dwell on it yeah. right they dwell on the mistake they dwell on the fact that things didn't go their way they dwell on the fact that it's their fault and now they're like you said gun shy that's great uh, indecisive yeah, People yeah, get yeah. indecisive. So no, yeah, those are great points. You definitely don't want to do that excessive ownership where it gets to a point where it turns you into a an indecisive person that's not going to make decisions because you're scared you're going to fail. You don't trust yourself anymore. Yeah, that's a great point. That is excessive. What you need to do is say, okay, this was the problem. This was my fault. Here's what I'm going to do to fix it. I'm going to move yeah. on. Yeah. We can't dwell on the stuff that happened in the past. Can't do it. Good yeah. point. That, um, how you, you know how earlier how you kind of started this where if you if you let's say okay the opposite let's say you're a blamer right you're like oh something goes wrong and you blame someone if someone's blaming me for something for everything you know all the time of course you know the defense comes up and all this stuff that always happens but after a while they build that rep as being a blamer you know oh for sure so now just it, it starts to become automatic that you're defensive against this guy you don't trust him all this stuff but the same kind of goes opposite you know how like, you know, if someone's always taking responsibility for the whole deal, they're not blaming you at all. They're like, no, it's my fault. No, it's my fault. They're correcting it. They're, you almost, you have a bunch of stories like this where guys are like, no, it's my fault. No, it's my fault. And they all want to jump in, you know? And so the point there is like, after a while, you build that rep where it's automatic. People will automatically not have any kind of defense or whatever. They're automatically want to solve problems. Yeah, that's, that's true too. That rep, man. Building trust is how you put it. It is building trust. It is indeed. Interesting. Next question. What made you choose literature for your degree? You know, again, I think I've answered this before uh, probably a few times, so I'll keep it brief, but a bunch of people did ask along those lines, along a question along those lines. The reason I wanted to become better at English and the reason I studied English in college is because I had seen the importance of language in the military written and spoken so written you're doing evaluations you're writing and reading and receiving orders you're writing and receiving rules of engagement concept of operations awards field manual all these things that you do in the military are written either you're writing them or you're reading them so to be able to write well and to be able to read and understand well is very important on top of that the spoken word you're doing briefings you're giving op orders 
you're doing interviews or you're getting interviewed you're do, even doing like interrogations all these things are spoken word so the better command you have of the English language the better you're gonna be at those and furthermore in that book that we read the armed forces officer 1955 edition I think it is they, they I, I don't have the quote on me but leadership is communicating that's what it is it's communicating with other people what the idea is what the goal is so communication is the use of words so the better you can use words the better job you're gonna do as a leader and that's what I realized when I was had the opportunity to go to college and got to pick my degree that's why I picked it Mm. pretty simple dig it also it seems like when these when somebody's your boss or your leader in whatever capacity you know like when someone misuses a word like or they'll say the like they'll say irregardless you know you mm-hmm. know when it's something that's like you, you totally said that wrong after a while you kind of like it's that feeling like oh, really disrespect this, this person <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or the guy he goes on a facebook rant <laughs> even if he's not your boss or something he's on a facebook or whatever twitter yeah he goes on this rant but then he's like misusing your in your, yeah. you know, or, he, yeah. or, or failing to put a period. So, you know, it's like you almost, it's almost like you have that feeling like you can't take him seriously. You Lang- want him to take you Language seriously. Language is important. Yeah, yeah. It is definitely important. I mean, not because re- technically, I mean, really, well, how much bearing does that really have? If it the, doesn't. If the idea is sound, it, but it, it just seems that at way. At the same time, it does. And I'll tell you, yeah. like, one thing, I'm not a good speller. If it wasn't for spell check, I'd no. spell all kinds of stuff wrong. Yeah, but I see never how? studied spelling because when I was a kid, I wasn't because that's when you learn to spell. I think was yeah. when you're a kid. I didn't pay much attention to spelling. I never have. So but just the fact that you care, though, that's like the major part of it. Yeah, you know, you're like, okay, there's spell check. Yeah, and, and one thing that's cool is, by the way, you don't need to major in English to get good at writing and get a, good at communicating. Mm-hmm. You could major in anything mm-hmm. as long as you. It'd be nice to take a couple courses though because when you do start <laughs> yeah. diving in yeah. and I'll tell you Shakespeare is a big one when you start diving into understanding Shakespeare for real you really learn how to read well oh, yeah. you really learn how to read well yeah. and when you submit papers that are being graded by somebody that is a master with grammar and they're picking you apart you mm-hmm. learn how to write better there's no doubt about it and so that's why I, I, I enjoyed both those, both those aspects, both yeah. reading and truly understanding stuff and writing and being graded in such a way that someone's saying, hey, you didn't need to use this word. Yeah. You could have shortened this sentence. And, and basically everyone's goal is to make things cleaner and shorter most wow. of the time. Clarity, though, mm-hmm. is to me the, the most important factor I want to make sure that what I'm saying is very clear Mm. so yeah English I took a class called advanced grammar and syntax dig it and I just I just I would have I would I would have taken you know multiple classes if they had Mm. they only had one that was all you yeah (laughs) yeah that was one of the best things I I did was when because my guys had to write evaluations the guys, my subordinate leadership would have to write evaluations when I was at the, it happens my whole career, but well, once I became an officer, but when I was at the training command, I had a hundred guys or so, probably more than that, but 
everyone had to have an evaluation written and so it was the senior guys the senior leader my subordinate leadership my direct subordinate leadership that would write their evaluations mm-hmm. and so if you didn't police these guys up in the get-go <laughs> there'd be issues so I brought them in and I said hey bring me your best evaluation of your best guy and so they brought him in we put him up on the screen and I murdered him. <laughs> I murdered them all and it was so good because they all got so much out of it you probably need to go through that drill like one time maybe two times of someone murdering your writing because mm. all you do is you, you start off you just read their sentence to them <laughs> that's all you do <laughs> you start off, right? just you yeah. just read their sentence just yeah. what they have written you right, just read right. it yeah, and they yeah. go and you, and you say is that what you're trying to say and they go no no I, I just stop stop you know well I'll go back because a lot of times when you read something aloud to yourself you recognize how jacked up you wrote it yeah so that's like lesson number one yeah. in writing with more clarity just read your sentences and see what they sound like so well it's, you can't really read your own though right because when you read your own you know exactly what you were saying you you, you, can, you, you can read your own but and that will be helpful but yeah, sometimes you'll already have an idea in your head so you won't get the full benefit right, of having yeah. someone else read it aloud right, to you correctly. and laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, English is definitely important and and it's fun too. I, I enjoy one of the odd things like for Twitter, I have fun fitting something into 140 characters. Oh, like yeah, that's yeah. enjoyable to me. I know that's like a <laughs> twisted thing. It's like a little puzzle. Yeah, it's a little puzzle. And now what work could I use and maybe I could get it in there. That's kind of fun for me. Yeah, right, there was something that, I, and I had that kind of fun in some of the English classes that I took where I was trying to just get the perfect words. And so there's a little puzzle too. It's a lot yeah. of fun. It can be fun. It can be fun if you have that type of personality. Yeah. Interestingly, you're not I don't find you to be a grammar Nazi. No, I wouldn't say I'm a grammar Nazi much because I just don't think I'm an overt grammar Nazi. I think I I I find it, I think I kind of just say, oh yeah, that's, that's poorly written. Yeah, to you yourself, know. kind yeah, of. Yeah, to covert, myself. Yeah. Covert I mean, unless it's someone that is going to turn something in, and I just have to say, hey, man, this yeah. is not good. Stop. Yeah, which technically that's not being a grammar Nazi. Grammar Nazi yeah. is like me and you. I'm t- telling you about, you know, jujitsu something. Yeah. Or be- the beach, and you're like, you know, yeah, hey. I correct you. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't do that a lot. Because you know why? It's not Partially. Cool. Not only is it not cool, but it's a conversation, right? Yeah. And I was going to say something about like being from the streets, <laughs> which is a major exaggeration because I'm not from the streets, although yeah. I spent some time in the streets. But, you know, I, I, I enjoy language, right? Yeah. I enjoy language. And so when somebody speaks improperly, I actually like it. Yeah. It's, a different, it's a different thing. I mean, even Cormac McCarthy, probably my favorite writer, mm-hmm. he, doesn't, he does all kinds of crazy things. He doesn't use a lot of punctuation. He doesn't use quotes. Mm-hmm. So you're dealing with a whole nother ball game. I'm not g- slamming him. Yeah. And 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 honestly, it makes it harder. In, in many cases, it makes it harder to read what he's written. Yeah. And he, you know, people say, well, he says, you know, that it, it should you shouldn't need quotations. Well, sometimes you need them. Yeah. But I'm not going to sit here and, and criticize Cormac. Yeah. I'm not do it, bro. That makes so much sense. I never thought about that. How you, how some two things actually. Where yeah, you like it. Like there's these memes, and they're the they're so funny. Where it'll just have a picture, maybe familiar, maybe not, and then it'll have like a, some you know a little saying on top of it. You know, 
like oh how yeah. how yeah, it looks once you go through yeah. your phone i don't know something yeah. like that and a lot of those memes are just no grammar no it's almost yeah, like yeah, just yeah. an ignorant person wrote right, it you right. know and it makes it way more funny <laughs> so overall the point there is like people talk talking pigeon or something like right. that or with a crazy accent their english not that it can be more enjoyable experience it's a more in-depth in- yeah. experience for sure so there's that um and at, but at the same time there are a few there's certain situations where if you misuse a comma or misuse sure. or don't put quotes or something like that you can literally say something different for sure then there you know misunderstandings can kind of creep in yeah and know? people ask me about and i hate to bring this up right now because this is just like a a bloodbath argument Bring but it up. the Oxford comma which you can look at in the interwebs but it's basically when you say a list of things the last thing that you're gonna say which normally you say and this mm-hmm. you the Oxford commas you put a comma before that and mm-hmm. and for me it makes things very very clear and the reason some people don't use it it came from the new uh, I think it came from newspaper where they're trying to you know fit stuff in the column or they got to fit yeah. stuff in the newspaper so they hey we can get rid of that comma it's not needed that's kind of where it started but it's not proper mm. and hey sometimes it makes sense but a lot of times it doesn't mm. so anyways that's one small example and the other funny thing because I was talking about Cormac McCarthy I'm gonna say this little thing too because it reminded me of it another thing in the success magazine interview or article it wasn't an interview it was an article he, he said uh, the writer, who's a good dude, he said, Jocko rarely does interviews, right? <laughs> and that's when Tim Ferriss said that two years ago, Tim Ferriss was 100% correct because I had done zero interviews. Mm-hmm. So he could have said he's never done an interview before. Tim Ferriss would, would have been speaking the truth, and he was at the time. Mm-hmm. Since then, I don't know how many freaking <laughs> interviews I have done. I have done interview upon interview upon interview upon interview. It's ridiculous. Mm. And I put in my little uh, Facebook rebuttal to the argument or to or my my comments about the or corrections to the article. I said I actually do interviews all the time. If you want someone that rarely does interviews, that's Cormac McCarthy cuz Cormac McCarthy he doesn't do interviews. Mm. He does. He's got what? I think he's done one interview in the past twenty years with Oprah Winfrey. That's it. Okay. Twenty years. One of the most, uh, you know, one of the best writers of our of our time living today. Yeah. You know, is he going to come on the podcast? Nope, he's not. <laughs> he he rarely, should. He rarely comes on podcast. He should. He should come on this podcast. Yeah, I agree. But yeah. Cool. Also, if you if you see a lot of misused grammar and you let it go and you see a lot of it, you get better at understanding it. You know, you know how like, you know how certain people they're like, oh, this guy's accent is too thick. You know, oh, I can't yeah, understand yeah. them. Meanwhile, the guy next to you is like, oh, I heard that accent before plenty times. Right. You know, my neighbor is Jamaican or whatever, so they understand. It's kind of like that idea. You know, people misusing words, grammar all messed up. But if you're used to that, you're like, oh, I see what they're saying. It has a lot to do with context as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying if you're familiar with that situation. So it kind of expands your mind to allow people to use bad grammar. Yeah. That's not to say you should use bad grammar. I'm just saying from a, from a standpoint of understanding. I could see where you're coming from. I'm not sure that I would like completely buy into that. But yeah, yeah. we'll go with it for this. You can't for this get down with time. that. <laughs> all good. Man. Well, you're right in the fact that some people can understand accents really well. Yeah. And for me, it depends on the accent. Some accents I can understand fine. Some yeah. accents I can't. 
Yeah, and it has to do with what what you're familiar with. Yes, you know? yes, you are correct. Next question. <laughs> Jocko, what do you think about mechanical warrior robots in the SEAL teams? Uh, again, this is this is a question where people ask me this because there's weird hype and uh, what's the word? Conspiracy type attitude about yeah. you know artificial intelligence and robots and all that. Yeah. And so my thoughts are robots, like war fighting robots, awesome. Let's build the most awesome destruction robots and let's build an army of them and let's let them get after it. I think it's awesome. You look at what's happening right now with drones and and unmanned air vehicles. That's where we're going. In another, I, I forget the name. I mean, I forget the specific time frame, but in 10, 20, 30 years, there's not going to be any more manned fighter jets military fighter jets so why would you do that you can put a, a, a computer in there and you can fly it from the ground or you can you don't even need to fly it it'll do your mission that you want it to do mm. so when we can come up with a robot that a terminator robot that can go and attack and take care of the problem yeah let's do that i support mm. it and the whole idea that robots will turn against us We'll build better robots that will kill those robots. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> or we'll fight the robot. robots. Yeah, I don't care. I say bring it on. Bring on the robots. Yeah. I'll crush you. Yes. Yeah, I know, like Joe Rogan, he'd be freaking out about some robots. Like, <laughs> he, he, you know, and I think, you know, pretty much everybody, I'm probably the ignorant person here, right? Because the smart people, like Elon Musk and Sam Harris, they're all... You know, you got to watch out because this artificial intelligence is going to become smarter than us. And then what are we going to do? It's going to attack us and control us. Yeah, their thing is if 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 it winds up that they they ultimately figure out and they won't be wrong is that's the that's the view. If they figure out that they don't need us, then the logical thing would be to eliminate us yeah. like like everybody and everything <laughs> does ever, you know? Yeah. And I got to admit, like, that sounds pretty cool to me. I say bring it. I want that robot war. Let's get it on. Well, typically robots, I mean, we say unmanned. Hey, I got a question for you. How about we unplug them, right? Cut their power source. Yeah, but typically, I mean, even that, when you, you know, I don't think it, I think think that's a simple thing for a robot, if they're smart, to understand, oh, they might very well cut our power source. So they're going to figure that out pretty quick. I would imagine yeah. if they're turning. But I, th- I like the way Sam Harris described artificial intelligence one time, though. He said, imagine that you that I ask you a question, and then you have a year to go and research and come up with the perfect answer, and then you come back and you answer that question, but it happens in a millisecond. That's what a computer's going to be able to do. Yeah. And... That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And do they end up then, and I don't, you know, I'm not a, I don't even know what you'd call a person that theorizes about this kind of thing. I'm not one of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that's pretty unbelievable. And and it'll only get faster and better from there. Mm -hmm. I just think that, I don't think it's too hard to control, to put controls in there that prevent the the turning of the robots like preventative <laughs> mechanisms yeah well <clears throat> you you talk about unmanned stuff and can usually, I, oh you know what I'm about to make a movie reference hit Robocop it. hit it hit Robocop it. old yeah. school because I think the story of that had some kind of a uh, 
mechanism yeah, in there. The directives. The directive. Prime, prime, prime directive wasn't yep. allowed to kill. Wait, what's is it? Prime directive. What's that from? Uh, is that from RoboCop? I think so. It, I know they're up, uphold the law, protect the innocent. This I'm not doing it in order. Um, something about trust. See, if you were AI, you'd be able to come back with a perfect answer. I know. But you program in that you can't hurt humans or whatever. Right. Whatever. Like over this you rigid thing. Let's let's. This is another situation. Let's see where it goes. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Rock and roll. But the unmanned thing, I mean, it's based on like patterns, you know. So the unmanned thing, usually you're not going to find something that's really technically unmanned. Even a drone is not unmanned. It's just less manned. They can be unmanned. It's, it's just less manned. You Somebody's, know, you, well, yeah, somebody programmed it where to go. But you can put yeah. a drone in the sky that's going to go. Yeah, but see what you say. You can put. Someone's got to put them in, in the sky. Someone's got to yes. launch. Somebody. Got, so it's going to be manned. Like the intentions of something, like that first intention of something, it's going to be manned. For sure. Once you give that up, then you're like, okay, now you got some problems. Yeah. You know? Yeah, again, I, I'm just not sitting around worried about this kind of thing. So I'll let Joe Rogan and Sam Harris yeah. and Elon Musk worry about keeping the robots in line yep. you know what i'll be ready to i'll be ready to fight them if they if they need me <laughs> bring it yep sure next question unless you want to talk about robots some more no that's cool okay or robocop no yeah see even robocop was manned he was a man part man part no machine but that the big machine that the initial one that caused the problems who ed 209 the the thing that looked like a had big legs. Yeah, yeah, Ed 209, man. Yeah. He malfunctioned and murdered malfunctioned that guy and murdered the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang, you have crap. four seconds to comply. Yeah, yeah, You yeah, have yeah. three <laughs> seconds to comply. You have two seconds to comply. Bro, hey, shut it off, bro. Bro, the first time you watched that, bro, that was that was tense. Well, that was a harsh scene. Oh, you you loved it, though, huh? Yeah. Savage. I guess so. <laughs> Ed 209. Jocko. What's your favorite submission? Real qu- again trying to do a little rapid fire here because people ask me this all the time favorite submissions because sure. I got to go plural on that one uh, Camille and guillotine those are my two favorite submissions I think well, the reason why is because they're both really effective gi and no gi they're both really effective from the bottom right you can do them from the top you can do them from half guard you can do them from mount you can do them from a lot of different positions you can do them in the street, you can do them in M- MMA, and you can do them in jiu-jitsu. So I just like the fact that they're kind of universal positions and very effective in every aspect of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Yeah, those are good. I'd go for the Kimura like rear naked choke and too, the right? rear naked choke, for sure. Yeah, those are ones that you don't, um, like, they're big, they're like granddad. There's a few of them. They're gr- the granddaddy submissions, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and you could say arm lock is one of the granddaddies. I just find the Kimura to be a higher percentage move. Right, right. Now, lately, my last several years, I've been using more straight arm locks again. But like what, like arm bar or the, just the straight arm? Both. Yeah, yeah. Both. Because all my training partners are so good at defending my Kimuras yes. that I have to go to alternate moves. Yeah. Actually, I surprised you the other day with the, you were kind of le- you were kind of depressed, too. You remember what I'm talking about? Because you like that was like a few weeks ago. It was it was probably more than that. But yeah. I remember your reaction. Your yeah. reaction was sort of 
Yeah. Like, I can't believe he got me with an yeah. arm lock. And I even, like, made a, a like a comment yeah, you during did. the role, like, when you were going for it, I'm like, like you're not going to get that. Yeah. And it's it kind of seemed like out? you turn up, turned up the heat when I said oh, that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't like when people challenge no. that situation. <laughs> challenge yourself, <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah, those are good. I agree. Next question. Jocko. You discuss making sure your teams have the freedom to make strategic changes to the plan if needed. What if you're developing a system with your team and you begin to get pushback from them before you feel the core values are established? So this is a really good question once again. You start coming up with your plan and you're already starting to get some pushback from the boys on what it is. Well, what do you do? Listen to them. Listen to them. Why are they pushing back? You know what I mean? Why are they pushing back? Maybe they have some good points. Is that possible? Maybe you're a little bit off base on the plan that you're coming up with or the strategy that you're coming up up with. Maybe you're not. Of course, that's always possible too. Maybe they're wrong and you're right. But hear them out. You know, if I say, hey, we're going to hit the target from this direction here, and my team disagrees with what I'm saying, well, why are they disagreeing? What's, what's the reason for that? You know, how do they think we should do it? They should think we should come in from the, from the south, and I think we should come from the north. Why do they think that? Now, if I know something is right, and I am right, then guess what? I can explain it to them. And they'll say, oh, Jocko, we didn't know that. We didn't know that there was defenses that we hadn't been told about to the south and that's why we should come into the north. Or we didn't know that the sun would be at our back from the north and that's why. We didn't know that at the time. Mm. So you're right. Now, if I can't explain it to them, if I can't give them a reason why my strategy or my plan is better, then there's something wrong with my plan or there's something wrong with my ability to explain it to them. Right? So if you're doing the right things for the right reasons, you'll be able to convince your team of the strategy or of the plan. And if you can't, it's a hint that maybe you need to adapt your strategy or maybe you need to adapt your plan. Now, be advised, this is not easy. This is not easy to do. First of all, you have to get your ego in check, right? Because you think you've come up with the plan and you think it's the master plan, so you... you you have to put your ego in check. Secondly, you might actually have the best plan, but maybe you don't have the ability to articulate the nuances of the plan. And so your guys, you get a guy that's a really articulate guy that's arguing with you on his plan, and he's actually winning the argument, even though your plan might be better. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a tough situation to be in. So that means you've got to really get in the weeds. Now, one thing that you could do in that situation is say, hey, I'm in charge, shut up, listen to me. And again, this might be a situation where you're right and they're wrong, but if you can't articulate that properly and now the only way to do it is to pull rank on them, hey, you're gonna go backwards, right? You're gonna go backwards. So you have to be very careful of that. Again, this is why it's important to to have good command of the English language. That's why it's important to listen. That's why it's important to take people's ideas. And that's the thing with being a leader, okay? Have an open mind, have open ears, listen, communicate, and lead your team 
not by rank, right? But by being able to to discern and uncover and mold and shape the best possible plan and the best possible strategy by and through understanding everyone's perspectives and ideas and then taking all those perspectives and all those ideas and coordinating them into a unified thought that leads the team to victory. That is hard. (laughs) That is hard to do. Yeah. But the minute, again, the minute that I'm telling somebody, hey, no, just do it my way, I know that there's, there's something wrong here. Either I'm not articulating right, which means I should take the time, because if I'm right and you're wrong, we should be able to get there to where you see that. Yeah. We should be able to get there. We could also get to a point where it's six and one half dozen the other. Yeah, yeah. Right? We could get to that point too. And at that point, you know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use your plan. If it's six, one half does the other, I'm going to use your plan. Echo says come in from the north. I say come in from the west. We look at the pros and cons of each. I'm going to go with your plan. Would you want to come in from the west? Yeah, okay. If it's it's 50-50, I'm going to go with your plan. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you the ownership. That's what I'm going to do. Even, I'll tell you, even (laughs) 60-40, I'm probably going to give it to you. We get to, you know, 70-30, now you're going to see it. Mm-hmm. You're going to see the light Yeah. if you have any brain. Now, you could also be an egomaniac, right? Who's like, my way, my way, my way. Right. Now we've got to break through that. How do we do that? It's not by attacking your plan, which you're going to defend because you're an egomaniac. Instead, I'm going to say, well, tell me the benefits of your plan. Let's weigh it out between your plan and my plan. Maybe we adapt your plan a little bit. Oh, I like what you did here. I see where you're coming from. That's a really good point. I didn't think of that. But also we need to consider this that I didn't you know, we we didn't know before so now we got to adjust So those are the things that are hard Those are the things that are hard about being a leader, but the best thing you can do open your mind open your ears Listen to what people are saying take it on board if their plan is better than yours great use it mm. if it's not better than yours Okay articulate the reasons why have the conversations with them. Don't be scared. It's a slick move. I I didn't think of that. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Got to build up their ego if they got the big ego. We got to flank them. Flank them. Yeah, it's good. Get other people's perspectives because it can seem like a 50-50 or it can seem like 60-40, you know, but it can also seem like a 64 or 70-30 your plan is better but to them 70-30 their plan is better because of their perspective yeah, let's say they, sure. they, they there's rats down this trail yeah I don't like rats but if you didn't know that you know you're like rats who cares kind of thing you yeah. know yeah. dang bro you're advanced dogs would be a better thing sure to say rats aren't going to interfere with your mission yeah. dogs start barking and maybe they had they had somebody they read an intel report that said there was a bunch of dogs up in this this you know, residents to the north. So we want to come in from the west. I didn't know that. I didn't do good enough. So now it's easy, easy thing to convince me of, yep. right? Yep. But all we have to do is have the conversation. Yeah, understand the perspective. Talk yeah. and those, communicate. Those dogs with their put, put your egos in check. Yeah. Or snakes, by the way, if you're Indiana Jones or something like this. Next question. Jocko. Have you encountered any gaps in the leadership capabilities of officers from West Point 
or the other academies. Okay, so for those of you that don't know what the service academies are, there's West Point, there's the Naval Academy, which gives you Navy and Marine Corps officers. West Point gives you Army officers. The Air Force Academy gives you Air Force officers. And the Coast Guard Academy gives you Coast Guard officers. There are four years. They're military school. They're really hard to get into. They're extremely competitive. They have massive amount of tradition at all of them, and they are highly disciplined and hard, hard to get through. So... You would think, right, that what I just said would produce a an, a standard, a very high standard of an outstanding officer. The fact of the matter is, in my career, it, it really makes no difference. Because there's other ways that you can have officers, other avenues that officers come from. They can come from ROTC, which is when you know you go to a regular college and you basically take classes about being an officer and you get shown how to wear a uniform and all that. You can go to OCS, which is when you graduate from college, you go to a program for 13 weeks or however long each service has a little bit different in the in the Navy. For me, I went to OCS, it was 13 weeks. That was after being enlisted for eight years. You know, you can be a prior enlisted guy like me, which is you get your commission after you've been in the military. And so all those, I've, I had outstanding officers or I worked with outstanding officers from each one of those commissioning sources. I had outstanding Naval Academy guys, outstanding West Point guys, outstanding ROTC guys, outstanding OCS guys, just outstanding guys, great leaders. And guess what? I also had crap leaders that were from the academy, crap leaders that were from West Point, crap leaders that were from OCS, crap leaders that from ROTC. So, and crap, and by the way, probably the, the, the biggest example of the disparity of good and bad is prior enlisted. So prior enlisted means that you were an enlisted grunt, you were a, a frontline trooper in the SEAL teams or in, in the military, and then you get your commission, that's what I did. And I had great officers that were like that, and I also knew horrible officers that were like that. So, for me, it doesn't really matter what your commissioning source is. It it matters who you are as a person and who you are as a leader. And if you have those characteristics that make you a good leader, if you're humble, if you listen, if you're dynamic, if you're articulate, all those things that make a good leader. If you have them, it doesn't really matter your commissioning source. If you and if you don't have them, doesn't really matter your commissioning source. Mm. That's what I've experienced in my time. So it is interesting. I thought when I first joined the military, I thought these guys that came from the Naval Academy that I'm going to work with in the SEAL teams, they're going to be really awesome because they went to four years of leadership training yeah. and learning how to lead. And I mean, Brian Stan's a great example, right? You could hear he got a lot out of the out of the Naval Academy, a ton, just the way he talked about it. I bet that Brian Stan would be an outstanding officer if he went to the Naval Academy, if he went to OCS, or if he went to ROTC. Mm. It's just he's got That's a great. Yeah. Did he learn lessons there? Yes, but he had an open mind to learn those things, mm. and so, yeah. You know the, the the service academies are are definitely awesome and re- really great tradition in all those, but you know I don't think you need to go to a service academy to be a good officer, and I don't think it really matters. What matters is what kind of leader and person you are. Is that the kind of deal where 
you just never know who you're going to get at the end because some people, they're really good at, you know, these people, they'll get really good grades, but out in the field, they do substandard performance totally. wise because totally. cause they're good at getting good grades yeah. or they're good at taking classes kind of thing, good yeah. at memorizing or whatever. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And then, yeah. Interesting. But you don't know what you get as a person. Well, yeah. like how were they brought up? Right. You know, well, Brian Stan's story cool about how he got brought up. You know, he just very you could see that he he wasn't taught his leadership ability, in my opinion, at the Naval Academy. Did he learn there? Yes. Did he take yeah. away a lot from it? Yes. Anybody that heard him would probably think, yeah, I definitely would, would love to go to the Naval Academy. Yeah. But, you know, you listen to his story of his life. He learned a lot yeah. b- prior to he learned a lot at when he was at. uh at the TBS, the basic school, he just learned a lot and he had an open mind. He was a humble guy and a hard worker. That's what makes you a great officer. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. Next question. Do smaller built dudes have a niche for SOF world? For the SOF world? Soft world. Yeah. Special operations forces. Yeah. Check. Do you say soft? Yeah, you don't you say, say SOF. No, you okay. The smaller built dudes have a niche for the soft world. Any advantages, disadvantages with f- physical size or uh, of operators? Yeah. Well, special ops guys come in all shapes and sizes for sure. They are can be big, giant, monster guys, and they can be little, tiny, skinny, wiry guys, and that's the way it is. And they're all needed in in the special operations community you know if you look at your average point man your average point man is a wiry light guy that's quick and nimble and you look at your average machine gunner he's a big hoss of a dude that can tote around a bunch of weight but also there's a bunch of skinny little guys that are carrying machine gun there's some big guys that walk point and that's the way it is so is there is there a niche for certain body types yeah I mean there is if you're a big guy you you should carry something big like a like a machine gun if you're a small guy you should try and be in a situation where you're carrying a little bit of a lighter load like a point man or a rear security dude but both do both and there's a bunch of other I mean you know you look at a radio man radio man's got to carry a ton of weight too so yeah there's no real there's no real advantage or disadvantage. I would say you don't want to be that big and you don't want to be that small. Mm. But if you are, get some. <laughs> you know, yeah. get some. There's just the way it is. There's going to be things there's going to be things that are way harder for a bigger guy mm-hmm. in the SEAL teams and in special operations and there's going to be things that are harder for a smaller guy and that's the way it is. Mm. So you know, if you've got to do submarine lockouts and you're a big guy, you're going to be in a little escape trunk, a little six-foot sphere with a bunch of gear in there. It's not uh-huh. fun to be a big, giant guy at that point. No. And when you get to the beach after you lock out of the submarine and you got to carry a 55-horsepower motor across the beach into a cache site and you're, you weigh 143 pounds, that's not going to be fun for you. Mm. You want that big... 260 pounder to come over and throw that motor on his shoulder and carry it into position so that's why you have everything at a seal platoon that's why diversity is good Mm. in terms of body styles next question good morning do you ever get edgy perhaps hangry (laughs) near the end of a fast 
If so, how do you deal with it? I tend to have more difficulty controlling my emotions during the last few hours. Thank you. Anyone that listens to me very often will probably know what I'm going to say here. If you think you're going to get edgy or you think you're going to get hangry, just be aware of it and don't get angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next you question. Go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, if you're hungry and you're frustrated because you haven't eaten and now it's starting to get to you, mm-hmm. just don't do that. Yeah, I actually... It's kind of like we were talking earlier about surfing without a leash or about, you know, parachuting under a pressure situation where I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm going to do it anyways. And I get focused on it. It's the same thing for me. When I'm doing a fast, I don't, I, I actually enjoy the fact that I'm under some excessive stressful situation. In fact, I like it better. You know, mm-hmm. I want to feel that. And then I want to be like, I want to say to myself, hey, you might get frustrated right now because you haven't eaten and your blood sugar's low. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to be, I'm going to use the Echo Charles approach of, hey, that's weakness, right? Yeah. It's weakness. For me to be getting angry, it's weak. Yeah. For me to be complaining because I'm on a tail end of a 72 hour fast, that's just weakness. I'm not going to complain. What are you talking about? You don't need to eat for 30 days. People can go 30 days without eating. My daughter, when she was cutting weight for wrestling this past season, she, she would say that. She'd say, you know, I'd be getting, she'd say, you know, dad, I would get really hungry. And then I just think people can live for 30 days without eating. I think I can make it through the next eight hours. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that big of a deal. There's no reason to get hangry. <laughs> That's just an excuse. Don't do it. it Carry is. on with your airborne self. Also, you know how I've said this before. There's a difference between how you feel and then how you behave. You know, true. So you can get hangry on the inside, yeah. but once you start be- behaving, like hey. jujitsu man, get angry on the inside. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, trading places. That was yeah, pretty good. I like that. that pretty, yeah, very good. You uh, know, actually, now that I think about it, when I was doing deployments back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, in the '90s. We watched, we, there was nothing to do on a ship. We didn't have internet. No mm. one wrote us letters. No one cared about us. There was no, Dang. so all we did was Sorry. play spades and watch movies. And with movies we watched were on videotape. Because mm-hmm. this is back in the day mm-hmm. before CDs, before Netflix. Mm-hmm. You had videotape and we had a, a crate full of videos. And so we were watching the same, you know, cheesy movies over and over and over again. And probably Trading Places was one of them. Yeah. So if you go Iconic. back, if you were to go back further, in the movies, you're not because because what am I five years older than you? Yeah, five six. Five or six years. Yeah, so I'm just five or six years ahead of you on movies. So there's a whole bunch of cheesy movies that I actually know about oh, yeah. that you might not know about. Yeah, and maybe. occasionally we're getting an overlap trading yeah. places. Trading places, yeah. iconic movie. Eddie yeah. Murphy, the man. Oh yeah, but hangry, right? Karate man bleed on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Hang, I like that word hangry, by the way. That's, that's in, fun, funny. But that implies that you're kind of like, oh, I'm hangry, you know? Like like you're expressing yourself. Yeah. You know? Don't express yourself. Yeah. Keep your emotions keep, in. Keep it on the end <laughs> and act like a winner. You, feel, you can feel like a loser on the inside. Yeah. You can feel hangry, but act like, don't act like that. Don't, don't let ever it make let your, other people see you be all pathetic yeah. like that. Yeah. Just be like, oh yeah, I haven't eaten in four days. Whatever. Whatever. Oh, you, you know what? No, oh, did you hear this joke? I was 
You know what I mean? Just, hey, I haven't eaten in six days. Yeah. No big deal. I'm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go train jiu-jitsu. What are you doing? Yeah. Nothing. Yep. So, yeah. Oh, what are you doing? Mind Sitting around difference. being weak? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. I'll be over here doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, separate, separate your feeling and your behavior. And typically when it's the thing. And you know, you even have a word for yeah. it. You, you it's not like word. it crept up on you and <laughs> I had I had no control over it. No, you you identified it, gave it a name, everything. And, and if, I mean, if my experience serves me, a lot of times when people say like, oh, I have, I get hangry or I'm. PMSing or whatever it's to explain their common behavior, meaning they just let it go. They embrace yeah. that's how it's that's, an excuse. that's how it is for them. Yeah. Kind of thing. Please forgive me. I'm hangry. Yeah. Yeah. I get like that sometimes. What, what no, are you talking about? And you just let it go. You know, be I like don't. that on the inside. Be good on the outside. Separate yeah. the feelings versus behavior. Next question. Stifle your emotions inside. You know, they say, like, if you get, like, emotions, you got to, like, let it out, punch a pill or whatever. Yeah. I guess, as it turns out, that's not true. No. Because if you internally, you know how you, you say stifle them? Well, the reason I kind of say that with sarcasm is because I think the, the for instance, yeah, you, like you're saying, people these days, they say, oh, you know, you got to let your emotions out. You got to let your emotions out. You got to, if you got to cry, cry. If you, and... I understand where that's coming from and you can get to a point as a person if there's something that's really traumatic that's happening and all you do is hold it in and I've seen guys get destroyed over that because they're not expressing the emotions that they have but that's at a big level right at a daily level no yeah. You don't express those things. You keep them inside. <laughs> that's why I say it like that. Like, I'm being kind of sarcastic, but yeah. at the same time, I'm being serious. Yeah. You know, it's just don't let your emotions out and into the world. Yeah. Keep them for yourself. Own them. Yeah. Keep them for yourself. Don't share them with other people if you don't have to. Yeah. Now, it, again, people are going to freak out that I'm saying this because bury your emotions. Because th- that what happens when you bury your, when you've got something really traumatic that you bury, then it eats you apart. And I've talked about that. I mean, talking about things that you go through in life and and expressing those feelings that you have about them, that's good. Mm -hmm. But what we're talking about is not that. What we're talking about is daily emotions, little ups and downs, little tick marks on your Richter scale. We're not talking about an 8.8 on the Richter scale, right? (laughs) We're talking about just like little twos. Yeah. And when you express those twos and threes on the Richter scale out to people, yeah. you just look unstable. Hangry. That's a two. Yeah, that's a two. Yeah, overall, and, and this, I'm not to split hairs or nothing, but overall, it's it's more about dealing with your emotions, quote unquote. So, yeah, if you if you if a good conducive way to deal with your emotions is to let them out and there's all different kinds of emotions. Like if you're sad, if something's eating you up on the inside because of sadness or whatever, and it's conducive to your recovery development whatever to express yeah. those emotions then yes but if you're hangry and you lose your temper on your kid that's not going to you're not dealing yeah, with exactly. your emotions correctly so in stifle uh, your emotions <laughs> but it's not it really it is stifling them it but is. before you stifle them you're identifying them you're like oh hey i'm hangry okay i, I identified that i'm going to separate feelings from behavior that's dealing with your emotions right there yeah. that's dealing yeah, with no, them. The, it's a great point that oftentimes expressing your emotions to the world doesn't improve your 
situation or your position at all. Correct. In fact, I would say that most of the time, expressing your emotions to the world sets you back. And that is why I vote in many cases to stifle (laughs) your emotions. Keep them in. Don't let other people see. You you put your cards on the table, right? You put your emotional cards on the table. Now you can't gamble anymore. You're not in the game anymore. The person knows what's going on. You're giving it to them. You're not going to know what I'm thinking. You're going to think I'm just everything's cool with me. We're training jujitsu, right? If I'm getting frustrated and I show that to you, what does that do? You're getting all of a sudden you you just go level up. You're thinking, oh, I got him. He's frustrated right now. He can't. Oh, I'm working. This is working against him. If I'm just saying the same face all the time, which is what I do primarily, Mm -hmm. hey, same face all the time. Just, you know, moving the same way. When you do get me, I forget what you say. When you get me to to react to something good, recognize the urgency. Yeah, you say, say, oh, I recognize a little urgency there. And I always go, damn. I don't want him to recognize. Right, I'd right. rather just have you just pass my guard and you're just there yeah. and me just sit there like it's no big deal because yeah. it's not. <laughs> you meant. Then, then me get all panicky yeah. where then you level up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, and that's the same thing with life, right? Yep. Every time mm-hmm. you express these big emotions to your boss or to your team, you express these big emotions to your team, they see all your cards. Don't let them see all your cards. Is this manipulating? Kind of. Right? This is one of those things where people think, oh, transparency. We hear that all the time these days. Transparency. You got to be transparent. No, actually, you don't. Yeah, not with that. You don't have to be transparent all the time. Yeah. You have to win the game. You know what? Does the football coach go out and hand his playbook to the other football <laughs> team? No. no. He's got to win the game. Yeah, typically, no. And that's not how you win the game. Hmm. So, are we. You know what we're doing? We're playing chess. It's emotional chess. You're playing with other human beings. You want to win. Now, if you're winning so that I can take advantage of you, so I can manipulate you and get something from you that you don't want to give me, that's bad. And I'm not talking about doing that. But if what I'm doing is keeping my calm so that instead of escalating an argument with you, I'm getting you to see it from my perspective just by remaining calm. That's what we're talking about here. You know, Leif told that story the other day where... And he tells the story a lot because it was a hilarious story where I came in, we, we, we didn't have a chance to talk to each other as he was planning this big operation. And I come in 10 minutes before the operation. I said, hey, let me let me see what you're doing. And he kind of shows me on a map, hey, we're gonna go here, here, and there. And I was like, hey, you, you should do this instead. And he was like, dude, we're leaving in 10 minutes. And I said, man, but just think about it. And he goes, you know what? Just cancel the op. And he was all mad, right? And and you know he's he's like and Jocko kind of like laughed at me. I didn't yeah. laugh at him like a like a like a jerk, you know. Right. Like, <laughs> no, but I was like, hey man, listen, just think about what I'm saying right now. But that's the that's an example. Right. I I didn't show my emotions, which was which would be more like, dude, are you serious yeah. right now? You're gonna yeah. cancel an op because we have a difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. Think about what you're. I didn't do that. I was like, hey man, I get it. Right. Everyone's stressed out right now. We got to leave on this thing quickly. Think about what I'm saying though. Look at this is all I'm saying We could execute this in a better way. So that's what I'm talking about. Does that make me manipulative? No, it doesn't make me manipulative. It makes us as a team do a better job And as soon as Leif saw that he was like de-escalated himself. He was good to go. We we move on So that's what I'm talking about stifle your emotions at all times (laughs) But you know and and just to address that though for real when you do see the big emotional impactful things in someone's life and they don't express them that 
absolutely is bad. And I'll tell you where you see this a lot is with kids. Mm. You know, kids, teens, where they, they, there's something bothering them and they don't, they hold it in, hold it in, because they don't have anybody to talk to. They can't talk to mom and dad because mom and dad don't get it. Their friends are the people that they're pissed off and the fr- pissed off at anyway, so they can't tell them what's going on. So they sit there and they harbor a lot of that anger, yeah. and that can be that can be very problematic. And it goes through all through you know adults as well, and and you know at work, sometimes people well, they got problems at home, so. They can't talk to their wife because that's what the problem was. They can't talk to their husband because that's the the source of the problem. But then they get to work and they don't want to look like the person that's got problems at home. So they're not going to say anything there either. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you do, what are they doing? They're trying to escape those problems. How are they doing it? Instead of... Instead of letting those problems out and talking to somebody about them, they're having a you know having a drink in the afternoon, getting on the alcohol, whatever. They're doing something that's negative, and they're not moving forward at all. So those are not the kind of feelings that and emotions that you want to subdue or stifle. Yeah. But these little ones and twos and threes on the Richter scale, being angry, get 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 control of those things and yeah. stifle them. Stifling certain emotions, ones and twos is a good way to deal with them because when these because they're usually real spontaneous emotions anyway and they'll and they'll they'll, they don't have the power to sustain yes they're just gonna they're there and then they just fade away and that's cool that's why yes and then over time now you're good at dealing with them in that way when you get hangry and you've been for one year you've been dealing with it by just ignoring it you know, in regards to behavior, just not acting on it. Now you're good at doing that. Yeah. Now it's automatic. Now you don't get, you don't act hangry anymore. Next True. question. Okay, this is part question, part opinion. In podcast 13, you stated hmm. effectively, not explicitly, that jujitsu is the martial art that takes the most time to become proficient. I disagree, and here's why. As a wrestler, I've been able to pick up jujitsu in a matter of about two months to the point where I can submit a blue belt here and there. And mostly control purple belt, possibly there is white skill range along belts, which I only roll with lower uh, level players. I might just be a bad teacher, but I've not, I've not had as much success teaching jujitsu guys to wrestle. After the same amount of, of time there, after the same amount of time, there may be a low high, high school wrestling level. I found it extremely difficult to teach jiu-jitsu players to shoot, penetrate with their hips, or effectively use their hips to defend us or scramble. Possibly my sample size is too small to form an accurate opinion, but I'm curious of your thoughts on the topic. Thanks, love listening and learning. So, yeah, I guess when I said that, I should have said grappling in general, which is definitely harder to achieve a basic level of competence in rather than striking now don't get me wrong you take a skilled boxer they will destroy an unskilled boxer you take a skilled muay thai guy they will destroy an unskilled muay thai guy do you you've trained with good muay thai people before right the first person that i ever did that with that was a skilled muay thai legit skilled muay thai it was like black belt versus white belt right yeah i would think about throwing a kick at him (laughs) And he would check it, yeah. right? And then he would throw a kick at me before I even knew what was happening, right? Mm-hmm. They're that much better. They can see your hips. They move. It's the same, same thing with boxing. If you go against a good boxer, they'll jack you up in that sport, right? In that sport, you will get worked. So now, that being said, a good wrestler 
is a good grappler you yeah. are a good grappler and that's why you're able to pick up jiu-jitsu very quickly because wrestling is grappling which is jiu-jitsu there are there differences yes there absolutely are differences but it's like longboard sh- surfing and shortboard surfing if you're or, or or baseball and softball if you played baseball in college when you get out on the 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 office softball team you're a killer that's the way it is not it's cuz you played soft you played baseball you didn't play technically softball it's the same thing with with wrestling and as far as the fact that it doesn't take long to learn if you're a, a high level wrestler to learn jiu-jitsu yes absolutely you'll learn it very quickly look at the history of the UFC Dan Severn Mark Coleman Kevin Randleman, Randy Couture, Tito, all those high-level wrestlers. And, and that's the history. Because guess what? High-level wrestlers are there right now, too. Mm. John Jones, DC. It's it's wrestlers. It's wrestlers and wrestlers. Now, are there other guys that come in and, and fill it? But the, the the I would say the majority base is wrestling. Yeah. So, now... You also have to look, speaking of history, you have to look at the early UFCs or you go to any gym. And the fact is, the fact is, a jiu-jitsu-only guy beats a wrestling-only guy in a fight nine times out of ten. That's the way it is. That, that, now, if the wrestler can learn very quickly, but if the wrestler only knows wrestling, and the jiu-jitsu guy only knows jiu-jitsu, the jiu-jitsu guy is going to win. Simply because the wrestler doesn't know how to finish the fight. He doesn't know how to finish it. He doesn't have any submission holds to finish a fight. So can they occasionally nine times, you know, one time out of 10 or whatever, get something and, and yes, that can happen. But, and, and also I'm not talking about if you take a NCAA wrestler, and you put them against a white belt, yeah. or or maybe even a blue belt. There's a chance that the blue belt can't submit him. The guy's yeah. just too strong. That's if he has some awareness. If he has no awareness whatsoever, he's going to get tapped out. Yeah. And if you watch the early UFCs, that's exactly what happened. You know, the wrestlers they might get position, but they were getting choked. They were getting tapped. And you go to any gym right now. You have a tough wrestler walk in that doesn't know any jujitsu. He's going to get tapped out. I mean, mm-hmm. for instance. Right now at our gym, we got a really good wrestler named Taylor Johnson, and I'll bring his name up because he, it's I can remember it all because it's all been recent. He's been training now for less than a year. When he first came in, he was getting tapped out. You know, that's the way it is. He's a phenomenal wrestler. Two months later, he wasn't getting tapped out. Six months later, he's tapping people out. Mm-hmm. So that's what happens. But... If you take physically kind of close people and you put pure wrestling against pure jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu is going to win. Now, there's also another thing that you're probably noticing in this situation, and that is that wrestling, wrestling selects for athleticism, Mm. right? Wrestling selects for athleticism. And for you to be competitive in wrestling, you need to be strong, quick, athletic, agile, all those things are important. And, and I've seen that, you know, with the, I, the school where my kids wrestle 
and you see it, what it's like when you get a strong athletic kid and how they're able to execute moves better than someone that's not that good of an athlete. Mm -hmm. And so wrestling does that. Wrestling is selective. So if you wrestled, guess what? You're a really good athlete. You And if you did well wrestling or you wrestled for a long time, it, you developed that athleticism because you had to be explosive. You had to train hard. So that's that. Also, blue belts, you look at a blue belt, a blue belt is basically a person that's been doing jiu-jitsu for a year. Maybe two years, right? So that's the same thing. <laughs> as a lower level high school wrestler, right? A low level high school wrestler is a guy that didn't start wrestling until he was a freshman year. Started wrestling, well that's a low level high school wrestler. And guess what, he's getting beat. So you should be, if you're a good wrestler, you should be able to, once you understand the basic principles of jujitsu, you should be able to beat blue belts because they're a year into the game. That's the way mm-hmm. it is. Um, yeah, you, know, you take a, a competitive wrestler and you go against somebody that's, you know, seven years in and now they're a brown belt. Well, that's that's a competitive high school wrestler. That's a senior and he started training in sixth grade. That's seven, eight years. Go against a seven or eight year jiu-jitsu guy. You've got, now you've got a good match. Mm-hmm. And likely the jiu-jitsu guy's gonna win. Now, again, if you take no, if you take a pure wrestler versus pure jiu-jitsu, the jiu-jitsu guy's gonna win all day. All day. So... Um, you know, there's no denying, and like I just said, there's a reason that wrestling is the the premier skill set in the UFC that predicts champions. No doubt about it. It is a great and incredible martial art. I I wish that that wrestling had kept its roots as catch wrestling and still had submission holds and all that because it would just completely change the game. But it doesn't, so you have to add them later. There's also something else too where I think that I think that people in general, wrestling's not for everybody, Mm. right? It's a very hard sport. And I think that people avoid that grind of, as far as, as as, okay, you're gonna get good at wrestling now, I'm a jujitsu guy, now I'm gonna make you good at wrestling. Mm. Jujitsu guys avoid the grind. I shouldn't say all of them, but some, uh, often, mm-hmm. jujitsu guys avoid the grind of the takedowns and the intensity of wrestling. They're not looking for that. That's one of the things that makes jujitsu appealing to a very broad range of people, is that you can train it at a at a mellower pace, right? Mm-hmm. And that's also why if you go do jujitsu tournaments, wrestlers do really well in jujitsu tournaments because they understand the intensity of rounds of limited time, of smashing someone, yeah. of going all out. Jiu-Jitsu guy that's been training in the gym, they ain't ready for that first tournament. There's mm-hmm. no Jiu-Jitsu guy in the gym that goes to the first tournament and says, yeah, that was just like what I thought it was gonna be like. No, they're yeah. not used to that intensity. <laughs> they're not ready for it. So, uh, I mean, and and of course, not taking away from Jiu-Jitsu guys that train like madmen with total intensity and get after it super hard too because those guys exist as well. And also, last little thing on this. There are also some wrestlers that don't adapt to the slower pace of jiu-jitsu. They can't adapt to that, and they don't adapt to the slower pace of MMA, and so they their whole career, they gas out. And there's plenty of pro MMA fighters, UFC, that have come in, high-level wrestlers, that they couldn't ever quite make the transition 
to MMA. So, you know, bottom line, these are uh, these are points that I pretty much agree with that the that this this guy made. And wrestling's awesome. I think it's a great base. I think it's it's a form of grappling, mm-hmm. and it complements jujitsu, and jujitsu complements it. And I wish that it was one sport. Yeah, but it's not. So you have to do both. Yeah, and it seems like. Like to, because he was originally not complaining, wasn't complaining, but he his premise was that you know jujitsu is is not in fact the hardest one to master. You know wrestling, he's implying that wrestling is harder to to master. Mm-hmm. To, you know because he taught jujitsu guys wrestling and they didn't pick it up. Right, that, that was kind of it. Um, in jujitsu, you can break all kinds of wrestling rules in jujitsu. Yeah, and. But wrestling guys, when they'll come in, if they they have to learn to break some wrestling rules, otherwise it's going to be their detriment. Sure, a lot of them, a lot of them carry over. Right. A lot of you know, a lot of the strength and explosive yeah, I, I sit outs see what, and stuff. I see what you're saying. But man, if a wrestler can't break the rule to to go to his back, you know, because a lot of wrestlers, the wrestlers will give up their back all day because yeah. they don't want to go on their back, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why they're going to get choked all the time. But if like Taylor, you, that's a good example, bro. He'll flop to, He broke that rule quick, yep. and that's why he's so good because he can expand his mind and break that rule. So, but consider the jujitsu guy, right? Now he has to learn all these. So he has to essentially, and not so much break the rule. He has to probably break some rules, you know, by not going his back, whatever. But a jujitsu guy doesn't have to break any yep. jujitsu rules necessarily. Well, so it's case, like, wait, why am I going to do point. this? Case in point. How much time and effort am I going to? put into learning a takedown correctly when it barely decides the match exactly right when you don't have to there's a mental there's a mental uh gap Mm -hmm. in the the desire for knowledge because if i if you take me down cool i'm gonna guillotine you i'm gonna you're not gonna pass my guard whereas when a wrestler shows up he has to learn this stuff otherwise he's losing he's getting tapped out he's getting choked yep so that's a great Great uh, point there. Yeah. Very true. So, yeah. You don't have to, you know, and even when you say, okay, jiu-jitsu should focus more on takedowns, and it's really cool, and you should definitely focus on takedowns, you got to learn them, and it's very important, but at the back of your mind, as a jiu-jitsu guy, I might just pull guard. Yeah. I don't really care if you take me down. It's okay. Or, and then now we're talking about, in this case, we're talking about- I'm not saying that me personally, because I don't like- Right, right. I'm just saying potentially, but, and here's the thing, to even add to that even- if you're considering the comparison of wrestling and jiu-jitsu, take the takedown situation. Take Not all takedowns are, are quote-unquote, wrestling takedowns. I can be like, okay, I can not learn wrestling at all and still be good at takedowns if I learn judo or if I, you know, if I learn something else. So, again, so it goes – it's basically you're taking something really vast uh, with a lot of easy ways to maneuver around certain techniques and still be vastly successful. And then you're, you're basically saying, okay, let's take that, a person who has that approach, and narrow it down to this much more difficult approach and way less effective approach. Essentially, it's mm-hmm. the vastness of grappling. I can still be successful in gra- grappling without learning XYZ wrestling moves. And then you want to teach them these XYZ wrestling moves, probably some that can go against you, especially when it comes to energy, energy conservation and yeah. all this other stuff. Yeah. That's why a guy maybe... Yeah, it might be difficult 
to to learn that. But how you said there's a gap in the motivation to yeah, learn. There's a so it's difficult gap. to want to learn or care or care about learning this thing when it's gonna serve me less yeah. in my grappling. No doubt. You can just look at the human facts of jujitsu. There's a reason why takedowns are not emphasized very much in yeah. jiu-jitsu at a normal academy right. a normal academy they do not have the focus on takedowns like wrestling wrestling, yeah. wrestling the takedown wins you doesn't win you the match automatically but that's a huge part of wrestling is getting the takedowns jiu-jitsu it's it's a little tiny percentage of the match does yeah. it give you two points yeah but it doesn't mean anything to me because I'm gonna submit you yeah so. and, just, and just the nature of the of the game you know wrestling is take down pin there's, there's more to it I understand but jiu-jitsu is just submit the guy you know so jiu-jitsu in in a way it's like just just get it to the ground you can yeah. win off your back yeah. you can win from the top you can win wrestling is not like that yeah I mean so, people literally Pull guard. guard and then win from their back. <laughs> Spend the zero seconds yeah. on top, zero, yeah. and yeah. win the match. And Even so, so the fact that you can pull guard gives you this entire out right. to get away from doing takedowns, and you can yeah. still be victorious. Yeah. very very often. Yeah, and that goes along with these even these techniques that he mentioned, like you know, uh, you know, th- see hip. The, basically, the there's there's a lot of moves in there. They're big moves. Big moves and they do help you, but like I said, they're just they're simply not necessary. You know, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's... any physical move is helpful yeah. to know and know how to defend, whether it be from offensive, uh, you know, or defense position. But again, if you're trying to narrow it down and teach these guys who their approach and their knowledge comes from the vastness of grappling, yeah. and you want to narrow it down to this thing, it may or may not work, you know, and it may or may not serve you. It could work against you, but here, let's try to learn this real hard. Yeah, you're gonna have that gap in motivation. Yeah, those to guys learn it. actually don't care about the takedowns. Yeah, and I'm gonna go on record now as saying this: just because jujitsu doesn't focus on takedowns doesn't mean that you shouldn't focus. You should learn takedowns. You need to know takedowns from a self-defense perspective, from an MMA perspective. Takedowns, wrestling. You have to do it. I mean, that's why my kids wrestle, you know? It's because I didn't wrestle, and I hate that fact. Because I go against a, like he's saying, you know, I go against a good high school wrestler, it's hard for me to take him to the ground, you know? You get somebody that wrestled in college, I know what's, (laughs) I know I'm not gonna, now I, I have developed good takedown defense over the years, and it's actually takedown offense, because I have offensive ways of defending the takedown. You know, I'm gonna, throw submissions yeah, and stuff but I can't go back in time and go through the the training that you get when you're a high school wrestler and yeah. uh, and a college wrestler I can't yeah. do that I can't do it I mean I just don't have the time and the motivation to do it because I'm in the same boat as as you know what the guy that you're just talking about. How much time am I going to focus on takedowns? I know I go against a college wrestler, he's taking me down. I go against a good high school wrestler, there's a good chance he's taking me down. Yeah. So how much time and effort? I mean, I could spend the next five years. I could go through a competitive circuit. I could join the wrestling club, but am I going to do that right now? Is that time effective, or do I just want to get better at jujitsu? Yeah. And then have access to the rest of the grappling spectrum that you just talked about. Well, it's an obvious choice. I'm going to focus on the spectrum that has the most, uh, the most application 
in every situation I'm going to be in. Yeah. So yep. if you if you get the chance, wrestle, wrestle as much as you can. Yeah. Learn your takedowns, yeah. drill your takedowns. Put your kids into wrestling. Jiu-jitsu for sure. Put your kids into wrestling. Yeah. They don't have to worry about it then. Yeah. Fact remains, some people they don't want that beef, you know, where you got to go and wrestle. You're man, that's hard, you know. And even like a wrestling, you can have a wrestling style to your jujitsu, you know. But again, if you if you don't want that, you know who didn't wrestle? Craig, Craig Baker, Baker, yeah, didn't wrestle. Yeah, if you you train with him, you'll be like, oh, where did you wrestle in college? Is what you'll be thinking. He's pure jujitsu. Yeah, didn't wrestle in college. Yeah, didn't wrestle in high school. Yeah. Didn't even wrestle in high school. He feels like a total wrestler when you yeah. train with him. Absolutely. And his takedowns are great. Yeah. And there's some Brazilian guys that have come up that, you know, Brazilian UFC fighters that are very good wrestlers that never wrestled before. They have really good takedowns. Yeah. And, but, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to, you have to work for that. And these kids that come out of high school, yeah. that wrestled in high school, they got it. Yeah. It's a little gift. Th- that work has little been put gi- in. Yes. Yeah. Little gift that they got. Yeah. But for these guys, and back to the question, for these guys that he's trying to teach, and he totally says, like, it could be my sample size. I understand. And, and yeah, that's yeah. a good point, yeah. actually. But um, because the sample size be big, you can get guys like Craig. They'll pick that stuff yeah. up real quick. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when it comes to, as he put it, when it comes time to shoot, penetrate with their hips, or effectively use their hips to defend or scramble, you can omit all of those things from a jujitsu guy, and he can still win yeah. and be vastly yeah, successful. Yeah. You know, so scramble. Mm, you got no, yeah, no, to scrambles. Scrambles a, a, a questionable one. Yeah. You have to be able to scramble. That, yeah, but again, I mean, let me let me you scrambling is a very good, valuable thing to have in jujitsu. Yeah, agree. much more valuable than you know being able Shooting. to penetrate on a shot. Yeah, yeah, agree. But yeah, wrestlers, right? That's a weird, that's such an interesting one. Bro, I roll with this. I'm, I feel bad that I forget his name, but I roll with him every time I see him. And he's swallowing me. I give him maybe 165, maybe, and but an awesome wrestler. Mm-hmm. New guy, too, under one year. And his game is wrestling, but he's like high level wrestler, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. So if I play the wrestling game, and I know, I know wrestling, like yeah. I'm solid, I can wrestle against good wrestlers. Maybe not Taylor, but good wrestlers so i can play and i'm bigger than him you know mm-hmm. so if i go and wrestle to wrestle this guy bro he like it, he runs me, game on you yeah, yeah he'll run yeah, his game of course but if i if i just slow down in my mind be like okay he's a wrestler Dude, then let's just it. yeah let's work around the wrestling oh no problem yeah you know but once once he if he can give up the wrestling rules you know you know how you don't, yeah, yeah. Uh, he because he has that athleticism he can switch his hips like all quick base just like like he's built into the ground. That's how good his base is. You know, it's anyway. But yeah, wrestling. Yeah, awesome. and I guess from a human nature perspective here, if you were to apply this to other situations in life, think about when you're trying to get people to do things. Think about the motivation that they have in their head. Not not motivation of like, hey, let's go. But not the actual the actual mental motivation of what they're going to gain from what you're trying to give them, and do they see the reason? Of yeah. why it's important. Yeah. Very good. Gotta apply that right across there. the board. Jiu-jitsu is life. <laughs> Wrestling is life. Wrestling is life. Grappling. Grappling is life. Next question. Hello. Do you happen to have a podcast discussing loyalty to marriage that involves marriage to a service member? I see many marriages, military spouse, where the service member has a great background in the military, but lacks marriage at home. 
you know I actually have answered this question before and maybe not this specific but I'm gonna go over it quickly just because this isn't just about military you know relationships it's about any relationship but you know from a military perspective absolutely military relationships are very hard you've got time away you've got classified work there's a lack of understanding of what's going on at work and you've got lives at stake right and with that the job has to come first and that's a very hard thing for people to understand that the job has to come first why does it have to come first for survival because the harder you train the better you know your teammates the better shot you are the better your chance for actual survival in a combat situation so a spouse has got to understand that right that in order for the service member to take care of the family family the service member has to do his utmost to prepare himself and his team for war the number one priority now what the spouse has to understand is that this doesn't mean that he wants to spend time away from his family he doesn't want to prioritize his team over his family he doesn't want to miss the recital doesn't want to miss the ball game doesn't want to miss the teachers conference but he has to he has to so spouse don't be mad when he makes that priority accept and understand that the family is the number one priority it is the number one priority but in order to be there for the family he's got to prepare for war so that he can come home to his family after deployment now this this obviously also applies to police this applies to firefighters and I'll tell you what it applies really to the breadwinner man or wife husband or wife in any walk of life right if you're the breadwinner for the family you've that that's what you're doing you the way that you're taking care of the family is by bringing home money so that there is food and housing and clothing and a secure future that's what you're doing and so the the spouse in these situations has to understand that the hard work the hard work and the hours and the days and the weeks that are taken away from the family is actually done to provide for the family right so that's the the key piece that that people have to understand that the, that the the spouse has to understand now the service member and again I've I've talked about this before the service member or the firefighter or the police officer or the breadwinner what they have to do is they have to make sure that they don't go overboard that they draw the line somewhere that they don't destroy what it is that you're trying to protect don't destroy what it is you're trying to take care of don't give the the plant so much water that you drown it don't cook the steak so long that you burn it don't work so hard for your family that you don't have a family anymore you got to have the balance 
in one of the things that you got to do is you got to explain that to the family and you got to tell them what's up and you got to tell them that they are the most important thing and that all this work that you're doing that's taking you away from them is actually being done for them and you got to communicate that to them you got to understand it's hard for them to hard for a uh, a eight-year-old kid to understand why you're missing the 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 baseball game or what the the six-year-old girl why you're missing the the jiu-jitsu tournament or whatever it's hard to explain that but you've got to at least try you've got to make it evident to them and you also have to make sure you don't abuse it right because work work can be fun and hanging out with our teammates for an extra day of shooting or an extra day of jumping or having a beer at the pub on the way home, that can all sometimes be more appealing than the recital, mm-hmm. than the ball game. So don't abuse it. You, you have to take care of your family. And you have to talk to each other and understand this balance together, understand the sacrifices that are being made on both sides so that you can work it out and maintain the strength of that entity, the family that you're trying to take care of. Agree. Yeah, and I mean, I walk the line on this one. I work hard, and I worked hard for my whole life. Yeah, and it's going to depend too, right? I mean, like how you say, don't work so hard that you don't have a family. It depends how rigid or resilient like the family is, and True. that has to do with like you know UX explaining and other. It's it's kind of like lifting and overtraining. You know, yeah. I'm lifting so I can get these results when I rest or all this stuff, right? But if I'm just lifting, 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 no rest, then but it's going to depend depend on how strong yeah. I am to begin with, kind of thing. So I mean, yeah, yeah, man, it makes sense. You know, it's a tough one. I, I think if you explain it though, like how you say with everything, yeah, just keep explaining, bro. My daughter yesterday, last night, asked me why she wasn't sad or nothing like that, but she's like, "Why do you work so much?" Things. I mean, let's face, I don't work so much, but as far as she's concerned, if I'm not playing with her at that moment, oh, you work too much. I can work one minute. She's like, I work too much, but I was like, "Oh, dang!" I had to think of it from her perspective. Yeah, you know, and. I explained it. I explained it all. And she had fun me explaining it, you know? Yeah. And now she understands. I had, uh, you know, I was like uh, sitting having a dinner with my with my family, you know? And we don't eat together every single night because we're all busy doing a bunch of different things. So we were having dinner. And for some reason, I had something going on. It's business where I was pulled out my phone and I was texting someone, going back and forth. And, you know, one of my kids was, you know, why are you on your phone right now? And then, you know, my like wife chimed in. Yeah, can't you just put that down? And I said, hey, just so everybody knows. Did you get defensive? I did get a little bit defensive. <laughs> Honestly. I, I said, just so everybody knows, if I could, I would take this phone and throw it in the ocean and never look at it again. But I have work to do. And sometimes my work involves working at night and some and most of the time if I'm working at night it's on this little gadget right here that I have to look at so that's why I'm doing this not because I don't want to listen to you not because I don't want to sit here and just focus on the family right now but guess what I got work to do and the work that I'm doing is not for me it's for this family so we can have a house so we can have food on the table so back off (laughs) 
but they got the point. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't really yell the back off point, but they they understand. They they realize, you know. And for you know, for my for my young daughter that was you know five years old at the time, I said, "This is how we get food, and this is how you get toys. I have to work to buy you toys. Yeah. You know, do you not want any more toys?" She was like, mm, "No, go ahead and answer the phone." Yeah, dad. <laughs> yeah. Did you work to do? <laughs> yeah, the toy. The, the that's why you have toys. That was part of my speech too. There you but go. That wasn't all nuts though. You didn't get nuts like I did. It wasn't very confrontational. She was like smiling. She doesn't get confrontational. Keep in mind when I'm working, she has the option to jump on my lap. Right. Keep that in mind. So it's it's this isn't a troublesome situation for me, and I understand that. But the point still is there, though. You explain it like you explained it, or like how I explained it, and if they know and they understand, then it's like it's clear, you know. But not that's not to say that they don't have a point though, because sometimes, especially if you don't explain or you're not engaged at all, these people who you know they're on the phone. You need to check yourself. That's why you need to check yourself and make sure that you're not going overboard, that you're not abusing it. Because you know what? As uh, does that client really need to hear from me at At this moment? The answer is, and this is you know I figured out years later. It's like no, actually, they don't need to hear from me right now. Yeah. Not all the time. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes, but But, they can hear from me a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. After dinner. Yeah. When I text you right back, you have to respond right back. Yeah. No, you have to respond right back. (laughs) Sometimes I'm busy cruising. We got uh, time for one more, you think? No, we don't, but we're going to do that anyway. Jocko, do you have a specific place or time you spend thinking specifically about your fallen comrades? Yeah. Any time that things are going good in my life, any moment of happiness, any time I'm enjoying my life or I'm thinking about what the future holds, that's when I think about my friends that died. So surfing after a good wave and waiting for the next one after some good jujitsu training after a good workout or a good meal or maybe a a smile or a laugh with a friend or having an ice cream cone with my with my daughter or playing guitar with my son or catching a catching a little smile from my wife at those moments at those moments without a doubt that's when I think of Mark, and that's when I think of Mikey, and that's when I think of Ryan, and that's when I think of. It's when I think of all those, those brave souls. Those brave souls that have fallen. 
And I always will. I always will. But you know, it's not, it's not a bad thing. And, and I don't want you to think that it, that it ruins the moment because it doesn't, it doesn't at all. It doesn't fill me with sadness or with sorrow or with pain. And it doesn't make me angry or frustrated or depressed or dark. And it doesn't make me focus on on death. No. It doesn't do that at all. It makes it makes me want to live. It makes me want to live more and do more. It makes me want to be more. To to know at those moments. Those precious moments, this, this life, this life is a gift from those men. They gave this to me. They gave me that moment. And because they gave it to me, they don't have it anymore. They gave us everything they had. Everything they had, they gave to us. So I'm grateful. Grateful to them. And when I think of them, I'm not sad. When I think of them, I'm happy. I'm happy I knew them. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy I served with such heroes. And I'm happy that they gave me the chance to be happy today. And I won't let the dark specter of death drag me down. I'll remember them and and for them I will live and I think that's 
all I've got for tonight. So, Echo, yeah. why don't you take a quick minute or 47 minutes and explain how someone can support this podcast if they want to. Yeah, so I'm going to go right into it. If you're into supplements, or actually even if you're not into supplements, on it, supplements. It's actually not just supplements, though. It's like all kinds of stuff to improve your whole life game. Physical. like So, yeah, supplements, whatever. So Mental. Mental. mental yeah, mental, physical, um, emotional even. Hmm. New mood. <laughs> it's called new, new mood. I haven't tried that. Yeah, I, I got. I don't some. want a new mood. I like my <laughs> like current, current mood. <laughs> yeah, somebody yeah. told me I should smoke uh, pot. Sure. Like, hey, you should, man, you should just try it. You know, you're out of the military now. You should just, you know, you should try some pot. And I was like, oh, oh interesting. But like, why, why do you think, you know, I should do that? And they said, well, you know, you you won't be so angry all the time then. And I said, I like being angry. I don't think I'll try your your potion. <laughs> yeah, which is also kind of strange, even that, I mean, I know you don't actually like being angry. You're also not angry all the time. That's true. I don't think I've seen you angry, but maybe three times. Really? Ever. What did I get angry at? You were angry at Dean for something. Okay, well, yeah. And then... Something else. Actually, so one time. <laughs> that was it. That was the only time. Like, actually, it was, it was at Dean twice. Yeah, that's, yeah. Dean can be frustrating. Hey, man. And if you're angry all the time, there's this thing called new mood. <laughs> Have you taken it? it? I took it once, but I didn't feel like I was in a new mood. But from the people that, other people that take it, because, you know, like, okay, so supplements like anything else, it's like you're, you're probably going to take the ones that you feel like you need or you want well, help yeah. with. You know, like if you're like, okay, I got to recover better from because I work out so much, you're going to take some kind of recovery thing, you know? My yeah. joints are, you know, whatever, you're going to take krill oil or mm -hmm. something for your joints, whatever. So new mood is one of those ones where I was like, okay, I'm sleeping fine. I don't have necessarily like hangover situations or depression or, or anything where... I need some enhancement. Not to say that I couldn't benefit. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I'm not gravitating towards. So why'd you order it? I hear good things, man. Oh, okay. I hear good things. Because I'm see thinking probably in the back of your mind, you're like, you know, I'm cruising right now, but yeah. I could probably cruise harder yeah. if I had new mood. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I bought it for my wife because oh. she, you know how like she's the kind where she like, if there's a task, like, oh, let's do the task, real task. You know, oh yeah, someone that likes to get stuff done. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. I yeah, do know yeah. that type of person. <laughs> Echo. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you can see Too why she didn't like making videos. <laughs> we could be in a whole new scenario right now. <laughs> anyway, I bought it for her, so you know, anyway. so she wouldn't be so productive. No, I like where you're no, because she she said that she stresses from it. Yeah, yeah. especially with a new baby. I mean, kind of new, six, seven months, whatever. But you know, like when it's time to go sleep, you know, the kind where and. I don't know if you're like this, but you know the kind where me, if I'm like, hey, I'm going to go take a nap from three to four. Mm -hmm. When I go in at 2.59 no. to go take a nap <laughs> in the event of me doing that, I go in at 2.59. At 3.01, I'm probably either sleeping or close to sleep. You know, Dang. not everyone's like that where they'll be like, all this stuff was on my no. mind. Because I go in to take a nap and I'm like, BTF, 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 can't sleep. All right, get up and do more stuff. Yes, exactly. So this new mood. I took a nap the other day, though. 
I took a like serious nap. Yeah, I was just tired. Slacker. Yeah, Weakness. tired on the couch. <laughs> that's kind of couch a that's, yeah. No couch naps are are sort of. I don't like the couch naps. It's too bad. I think yeah. they're pretty dull. Because I think you got to go. All right, I'm gonna nap. Boom. Gonna feet up, elevate, set the alarm clock. Couch nap is just like what happened. Right. Just, right. Ah, yeah. You know what's weird? In a way, and I'm apparently. I guess I'm just speaking from experience. I don't have any like technical reason, but what it else seems is new? like <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the couch nap. You're in this mental state that is kind of like you have low expectations of comfort, <laughs> you know. So your body's like, you know what? You might not be the most comfortable, but hey, you're not moving, so boom, you just fall asleep. <laughs> but when I when you can go like in your room and. You lay down and you're like, wait, wait, wait. The temperature is just a little bit not cool. And then you're like, okay, let me adjust the temperature. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I I hear something outside. Let me close the door. You know, so it's almost like you can't sleep because the conditions aren't perfect when you have that expectation of perfect conditions. But on the couch, you don't have that expectation. You're just like, it's like if you're napping outside on the couch. Hey, I don't have a blanket. I'll just pull this pillow over my left arm (laughs) (laughs) and I'll be good to go. Exactly right. See, yes. I mean, that just has to do with naps but this the new mood one that's for like if you have like stress you know well don't talk about if we don't know then talk about another thing yeah boy i think we do know i think it the conversation went in that direction of its own like momentum okay well next thing you know we're We're talking about naps (laughs) yeah i know bro i know that's that's, that's so on it yeah okay on it's the best supplements that's it let's get that out of the way Mm -hmm. like straight up factually Mm -hmm. um Bro, they also they have like you know warrior bar bro, <laughs> the other day, so I got some warrior bars. I already had them. Whatever, did a workout, and I like to eat after work. I gotta get a certain amount of protein in there, and not mm-hmm. necessarily. Oh, I'm going for counting my macros. Nothing like that. But if you only have like one small piece of half piece of chicken left over from that, you kind of need more. Not my opinion, it, yeah. I needed more, so I was like, but I made cool. Like it was like this brown rice. It was good, but I only had like this half piece of chicken. So I was like, shoot, I need more meat in there. Look in the fridge like nothing. So I got, I got a warrior bar, two warrior bars, and chopped them up and like put it in there and like heat it up in the microwave. It was actually good. So it was like a buffalo meat, chicken, rice. Um, concoction. Yeah, concoction. It was good though. Even you're used to warrior bars kind of like beef jerky or yeah. like a. Was it like, like soft and moist? Uh, it was. No, it wasn't soft. It was still the warrior bar. It yeah. was just a warm, warm warrior bar. But it was mixed good. In, it, it worked. It worked. <laughs> The flavor profile worked. I like it majestically. I'll have to give that one a, a run. Anyway, worry bars. If you don't know what that is, there. Look on onit.com. It's buffalo meat and it's dope. Gluten free, by the way. Um. Anyway, so the main ones is what krill oil for your joints. You'd be surprised how much joint degeneration we all have. That's what I think. Okay. Get the krill oil. Also, you're trying to entice me into longer conversations. I'm not taking the bait. <laughs> I don't want to know about your joint degeneration. <laughs> yes, you do. You of keep course that you in do. your mind. No, bro. Of course, you're the one who turned me on to it. Uh, so you not care. joint degeneration. Joint. I, I gave you krill oil. Krill oil for yeah. joint maintenance. maintenance. This is yeah. okay. This is why krill oil. Okay, so this Greg Greg Train McIntyre asked me not yesterday, not the, last time I saw him for, uh, Sunday. I hear fish oil. Like what? No, it was Juan who asked it. Greg was just there. Um, Juan each. Yeah. He said, "Phil, what's the difference between fish oil and krill oil? Because I take fish oil or whatever. What's the difference? Okay, here's the difference. 
my de- uh my wife's dad would say that this dude the krill oil is better this is why because krill oil the omega-3s is the omega-3s that's what you're going for mm. so they both fish oil and krill have omega-3s so fish oil attaches to your triglycerides krill oil omega-3s attached here phospholipids so what does that mean who cares right who cares about i just want it you know in my joints so let's say your joints are a nightclub okay Follow me. This is a perfect analogy. Okay. <coughs> your joints is are it a night- long analogy. Uh, I'm gonna make it short. <laughs> joints are you're a nightclub. That's your joints, right? Okay. And you want the omega threes to get in there, right? Right. So omega threes are these your crew. Okay. Jocko is triglycerides. Echo is phospholipids. Okay. Hey, Jocko's cool. His crew, the omega threes. We both have omega threes with us. They're attached to me. We're me and you are on the guest list. Hey, who am I gonna let in? Jocko and his rowdy crew of omega threes, Navy SEALs. They do burpees at random times. They you know, or Echo because they're just cruising. They both spend money. They both all the omega threes spend money. They gotta be in the nightclub. But which omega threes is the bouncer gonna let in? Your omega threes. The omega threes attached to you, the triglyceride. Or to the phospholipids. Who's me? Who? Probably me. Yeah, okay. So anyway, boom. That's why the krill oil gets boom. let in <laughs> better. I can't say you know, boom after like, a 14 minute story. <laughs> that's not 14 minutes. That's like work. two minutes. But you see what I'm saying? That's basically how your body is. I think so it's like, understands. hey, hey, it's better absorption. Okay. Krill oil in that, you know, krill oil krill oil format. Okay. For lack of a better term, it just gets better absorption. There's other stuff okay. too, some antioxidants. We accept stuff your that, that explanation universally here. Anyway, get the krill oil. Take care of your joints. You'd be surprised the role they play in everything. That's my opinion. If you're not on that, get on that. Also, good way to support Amazon click through. What you do is you go before you do your Amazon shopping. If you don't know already, before you do your Amazon shopping, go to the, through the website jocklepodcast.com or Jockle Store, whichever. Click on the Amazon link. Also, it's also called support. Click on support or the Amazon link, whatever. Then you so you click through the website. Then you go do your Amazon shopping. Outstanding way to support. Really good support. Um, then you do your shopping as you normally would, and boom, instant support. And you know it doesn't cost you anything. It costs you two seconds of your time for big support. So it's like you know small action, big reaction. Like sodium oh, in water, God. yeah, exactly. So yeah, so you understand now if you're if you know what happens to sodium metal when you put it in water, that's going to be you. That, that's no. the Amazon click. I'm just saying. Mm. I think it's important to like remember that because it's that's, apparently you do think that, it's important. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. You remind us every time. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all the podcast platforms. Um, and write a v- review if you're in the mood. That's a good one. Write a review. Support the rankings. If our podcast is in good ranking, that's cool, right? Yeah, I guess so. I think so. Uh, or subscribe to, or and subscribe to YouTube. If you're into YouTube, you watch videos. You can see this podcast obviously in video format, or all the excerpts that we put on there. You say that like there's this massive. There number is, of excerpts. bro. There is, and there's more coming. And you know, th- these are good because you can share them with your friend. You know, if you, so. Okay, so I have some technical knowledge of you. So I know how to share the link, and then in the link that I share, I can 
manipulate the little URL or whatever. So when they click on the link, it'll start at a certain moment in the video, right? It's not hard to do. You just, there's a little setting. But anyway, I can do that. So if I'm so, if I'm like, hey, let me share Jocko's take on this with, with my friend Joe or whatever. And he, because I think he could benefit, or this is what he was asking me about. Hey, here it is. I I can send him the whole podcast. I just manipulate the thing to the the little bookmark place mm-hmm. where it can start. But if you don't you don't want to do all that, you can just find the excerpt that I put on the YouTube channel. You know, they're just more shareable, so they don't have to listen to the whole podcast to get the, the you know the, that's, the that's, specific lesson. That's really cool. You'd think that there would be a lot of those from yeah. your excitement about them. Yeah, it depends on what you mean by a lot, but I think, yeah, there's some. Significant, you know? Okay. We're putting more on there. We'll be the judge of that <laughs> over here on this end. Also, Jocko has a store. If you don't know, it's called jockostore.com. If you, um, you know, if, if you like these shirts that we make, and we put effort into the shirts, they're not like the cheap make a stencil, spray paint, Cheap Hanes, not that Hanes is cheap, but cheap shirt here. The kind you give away for it's not that kind. They're good, like quality. <laughs> See what I'm saying? I say the spray paint thing because I've made shirts like that yeah, before well, well, when I, I was a kid. Yeah, so they're not that kind. They're good. They got some, you know, some cool design. Hey, if you, if you like them, so check out those. Go there, jockostore.com. If you want to support in that way, get a shirt and represent in the wild. Boom, women stuff, whatever shirts. Patches, rash guards, 19% performance increase, proven, 147% proven, mm-hmm. 19% improvement. Hoodies as well. It's getting warmer, I understand, but still it's cold some places. Michigan, still yeah. cold. The the hoodies are probably good for this time of year right now yeah. because they aren't the heaviest of weight. Next winter, we're going to go Jocko style on, yep. the, on the hoodies. They're going to be heavyweight. This year, we went Echo style. Yeah, lightweight. Kawhi, Kawhi's version of they're, they're they're still hoodies, but they're not as heavy. Yeah, duty. They're like medium heavy. They're they're medium. I think technically they're, I think they are medium heavy. Heavy yeah. technically. Next year we're going heavy, heavy. We're going heavy, heavy. Yeah. Um, or we could go light for the spring summer as well. Oh, well, let's not just do like a whole fashion <laughs> thing. We're only gonna make one kind <laughs> from now on. Heavy. <laughs> Anyway, go there, JockoStore.com. Let's look at, look at what you want. the spring line of Jocko <laughs> clothing. Stop. The spring collection. Yeah. But yeah, see, you know, if, if something uh, looks good to you, support that way. Represent. Also, Psychological Warfare. Now, look, support the podcast. I, I dig it. And thank you, everyone who is supported. But Psychological Warfare, that one is a support yourself situation. Really. If you're weak, this is what it is, psychological warfare. If you don't know already, I know I explain it every time, but I'm going to explain it again. If you're feeling moments of weakness in regards to your workout or waking up early or slipping on the on the whole diet program, and I don't mean diet like that. I'm just saying eating correctly and not incorrectly. If you're about to slip on that, you get enticed. Like my sister explained she did with her son, brings home some brownies. She couldn't help but eat the brownies. Now she's paying for it on the treadmill, according to her, her words, not mine. At the moment of the introduction of the brownies or donuts, as the case may be, you put on one of these tracks. It's called Sugar Coated Lies. Snack time. Sugar Coated Lies. Listen to Jocko. He'll explain to you some stuff 
that will cause you to not slip on that plan. And this goes for, like I said, waking up, doing the workout, uh, pushing yourself during the workout, all this stuff, getting your work done, all this stuff. So if you need a spot in those areas, look into that. It's called Psychological Warfare. Jocko Willink. It's on iTunes. Good way to support yourself. And by happenstance, it supports the podcast as well. Double whammy. Double gravitational thing. Also, while you're clicking through Amazon, you can order Jocko White Tea. You can get it on Amazon.com. Do the click through. Try it. Be careful. Be careful when you use it. But give it a try. See what happens. And I got a couple more just reviews from <laughs> Amazon.com. Since taking it with me to the gym over ice, I not only get to enjoy the semi-sweet flavor of the tea, but I have also noticed increases in strength. On squats, I've noticed a 15 to 20% increase in strength while using it, and my deadlift has gone from 475 to 805. <laughs> Extra legit. And by the way, it says semi-sweet. There's no sweetener in the tea. It just right. is what it is. There's yeah. no sugar in there. No. That would be just hypocritical, and yeah. I would have to close down my life. Yeah, that'd be whack. Sure. Another one, no big deal. I'm not a tea drinker, but needed a sound substitute to kick the diet soda. Jocko White Tea is what the reviews say. I drink it iced, and I love the taste. Since drinking Jocko White Tea, my total and free tea levels have increased. I don't have the labs to back up my claim, (laughs) but my voice is deeper, my muscles are leaner, energy increased, and my wife's favorite result is increased stamina. I feel 21 again. Enjoy the tea and support the podcast. Dang. Again, science. These are from Amazon, right? <laughs> yeah. These are peer reviewed yeah. reviews. Very reputable. So these yeah. are reputable. And yeah, Jocko White Tea. You can get it. And you can write a funny review like everybody else is doing. Uh, <laughs> little book coming out called Way of the Warrior Kid. By the way, it's coming out soon. It's coming out May 2nd. Mm-hmm. It's going to sell out. And once people read the initial ones that sell out, the people that got it, they're going to order more. It's going to be back ordered, and you're not going to be able to get one. So order it now. Real easy. Also, Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. That's coming in October. Same thing. Order it so you can get a copy when it comes out. The manual will show you how to get after it. That's it. It's the field manual. You want to know how to get after it? Here, get the field manual. Discipline equals freedom. You've heard that. You probably think that. You actually probably know that. How do you execute it? You get the field manual. Follow the instructions. Workouts, thoughts, food intake, sleep habits. Everything's in there. No factor. Extreme ownership also. It's just word of mouth keeping it in the top one to 200 on Amazon. That's insane. Thank you all for spreading the word. And getting your people in the game. Get them a copy. You know what? Write a little note in the copy that you get for your team. Give them a little advice. What chapter you think is suited for them. Get them on board. Up 
and down the chain of command, by the way. You don't want your whole team to be outperforming your leadership, which is what will happen if you just get the book for them Mm -hmm. and you. Echelon front. Leadership and management consulting. Keynote speeches. Yep. We do those. Long-range leadership alignment programs. Yes, that is what we do. So me, Leif, JP, Dave Burke, Combat Leadership Applied to Business and Life. You can check the website, echelonfront.com, or email info at echelonfront.com. Also, the muster. And again, this is not a seminar about getting pumped up. No. It isn't a seminar about finding yourself. No. It's not going to help you channel your internal chi towards eternal bliss. <laughs> it's not going to do that. This is not what the muster is about. The muster is about leadership. Pragmatic leadership skills for you to use in your business and in your life. You work with people. You lead people. Or you aspire to lead people. Who's going to teach you how to do that? Where are you going to learn that from? Actual question, where do you learn that from? Who's going to teach it to you? That's the question. The answer is the muster. Learn to lead your people. Learn to lead yourself. May 4th and 5th, New York City. Marriott Grand Marquis. Are we playing around? No, we are not. The first muster was awesome. Why are we having a second muster? Because the first muster was awesome. That's why we're having a second muster. So come to it. And until we see you at the muster, because by the way, I'm going to be there. Leif's going to be there. JP's going to be there. Dave Burke's going to be there. If that's not enough for you and you need something to kind of close the deal, don't worry because Echo Charles is going to be there, probably giving a four-hour speech to the public. Yeah. Until the muster, you can also find us more on the interwebs cruising. And in Echo's case, cruising hard. <laughs> We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Echo is at Echo Charles, and I am at Jocko Willink. And lastly, thanks for listening and giving us feedback and inspiring us to do this. Inspiring us to do better and to be better. Knowing that we aren't alone on this mission. Knowing that you all are with us in the game, standing watch, not backing down, not settling for average, not just going through the motions, but living. Living life, living life hard and fast and aggressively. And taking every opportunity to step up, step forward, step on fear, and step on failure, and step toward a better you. And step out.
into the unknown to get after it. So until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out. <laughs>